Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. We, we really are getting mixed messages. I say that as a member of the public as well as a member of the media, because while you have President Trump yesterday and today clearly stating what the CDC is recommending, 15 days of social distancing, yep. avoiding groups, staying six feet away from people, staying inside as much as possible, if you're old especially, staying inside as much as possible, not going to bars, not going to restaurants, not going to nightclubs, all of that is happening. Meanwhile... Arizona, Illinois, Florida had elections today. Yeah. A lot of people thought that was a bad idea. And you see pictures from Florida where there is spring break uh, as if they're, they're making a, a teenage movie from the 80s down there. Uh, there is not this, the clear signal that everyone needs to abide by this. There's kind of a message of... We're telling you you need to do this, but other people are doing that and other people are doing that. And, you know, I mean, what is somebody supposed to think? I, I, I think what what the message is that a lot of people are getting is that this is no big deal. Projections that hundreds of thousands of Americans will die from this, if not millions, if not millions of Americans. Now, I understand there have been a lot of people giving false information out there, um, including President Trump, although in the last couple of days he's completely uh, been striking the right tone and talking about how serious it is. And including a lot of conservative pundits and a lot of people on a different channel talking about how this is just like the flu. But it's not. Uh, how bad do you think it's going to be in a month? What are we going to be talking about? And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 18th of March, year of our Lord, 2020. I'm going two days earlier. I literally just put out a Facebook post saying I was going to record tomorrow. And my wife goes, don't you want a podcast? Because she wanted the TV, so... I'm uh, yeah, downstairs in the basement. We start with Jake Tapper. We're going to see they're still doing it, but there is hope. We have some positive sound bites today for the first time forever. Just forever. Um, with CNN even saying positive things. But we're, we're blaming Fox News. That's the angle they're going now. Um, still got people dogging Trump, but there's there's plenty... Of its Fox News is going to kill people. Fox News and their racism is going to kill Chinese people. Yeah, it's not good. <clears throat> For perspective, I want to start the shows with actual stats now. Understand at this point in the H1N1, we had more deaths and way more people infected. Um, because as I'll say on the back end, I, I think that gentleman from our last podcast was pretty spot on. I think we've had... COVID in our country for a long time. I mean, they didn't release that they had the issue until December, which means they had it way further than them. And because China didn't actually do the right steps and inform the world and lock it down and blah, 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 I would not be surprised if we've had COVID in our ranks for a long time, folks, at least back to January. Um, so the numbers are going to go up because they're testing now. And as of right now, I just opened it, 7,636 corona cases. 
Of that, 117 have died and 106 have recovered from it. So, this list, and you can go to World O Meters, W O R L D O M E T E R S dot info backslash coronavirus backslash country backslash US. World O Meter would be the best way just to search it. And they're tracking it constantly. So, New York, Washington, California, Florida, New Jersey, Los Angeles, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Georgia, Colorado, Illinois, and Texas. Those are the places with the most cases. 2,480 in New York, 1,000 in Washington. Uh, Tennessee, my state, has 78 now. Um, we've had no deaths. And active cases are 78, because nothing's really happened with them. Uh, places with very few are West Virginia just got the first case. Alaska's got six, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, North Dakota just got its first case in Minot, my daughter told us. Um, so it, we're going to see numbers go up, and people are going to die, but they're the people that are... We, said in the beginning, when experts said in the beginning, not we, but experts, is going to be the older are going to die first. But I want to do some ugly stuff up front because i got to be quite honest, some of this stuff is just, it's almost irresponsible. Somebody tweeted today, and I had not seen it, Bloomberg, get ready, the coronavirus is only the beginning. Every major social revolution started with world transformation. And it's like a landing for their page. Global supply chains are breaking, borders rising within nation states, stock exchange are convulsing with fear, recession looms over the global economy, the coronavirus is disrupted, excuse me, world odor. Almost exactly a century ago, every aspect of the world was altered from the art and philosophy to science and economics. Two world wars and the Great Depression generated new inequalities and futures, the rise of both left and far right political movements. These earth-shattering events pitted the working class against establishment. And I'm not going to read anymore because it literally just goes on to say, hey, we need a revolution. That's how Bloomberg Opinion's handling it. Then we have the super pandering. And we covered one last time. We're going to cover two more cities that have done it. And now the ACLU is doing it. To, I've been tweeting online, it's almost like they're trying to set up the fucking purge. ACLU, breaking, we're calling for the immediate release of individuals in prisons and jails, according to the CDC, face heightened risk of severe illness or death to COVID-19. Nowhere in this release does it say what it should be for. It's just saying everybody, let them out. Let all the prisoners out. Then New Orleans... A halt to gun and booze sales in response to coronavirus. The gun confiscation order during the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. New Orleans is once again flying off the rocker. Mayor LaTanya Cottrell has issued an emergency proclamation. The sales of guns, ammo, and alcohol within the city may be suspended. Her text was, the emergency authority may commandeer or utilize 
any private property it finds it this necessary to cope with the local disaster. The emergency authority on my order as a mayor of the city of New Orleans and chief executive officer of Parish of Orleans is hereby empowered to direct and compel the evacuation of any and all persons from any part of the city deemed by emergency authority to be suitable for evacuation. If necessary, for the preservation of life or other disaster mitigations, response or recover in accordance with provision of this ordinance. Steve Keeley brings us our next. Philly police officers instructed to stop making arrests for falling lists or consider nonviolent crimes. Here is the email sent to city police officers telling them to just obtain arrest warrants, but not to detain. And once again... I'm not doing the opposite fear-mongering. It may come across that way, but what I'm trying to say, this is some dangerous shit. This was the email, the 4 p.m. to 12 a.m. tour. Arrests for the following offenses will be effectuated via an arrest warrant, just a ticket. All narcotics. Theft from person, retail theft, theft from auto, burglary, vandalism, all bench warrants, stolen auto, economic crimes, back checks, fraud, prostitutions. Officers encounter persons who would only be arrested for these offenses and process at the detective division immediately following arrest would hear to the following. Temporary detain the offender for the length of time required to confirm who he is and just issue an uh, uh, arrest warrant that they will ignore. All the while this is going on, Chuck Schumer went to the floor of the Senate and warned Donald Trump not to overstep and be autocratic during this crisis. That's what he had the balls to say. While we now have Chicago, Philly, New Orleans, you'll see San Francisco has gone way, way beyond what is necessary. They're implementing socialistic fucking norms man it's it's unbelievable and then of course we'll see during our podcast there's numerous he's a racist he's a racist it's spread all the way even to our news and social media nuggets today <clears throat> but china is still playing the pr game that the u.s army dumped it in china and now stories are coming out and there's another one that just released that the actual doctor who got the word out, because China wasn't going to put the word out, he's gone. Nobody could find him. The Chinese scientist destroyed the proof of the virus in December on instructions from the government. But we're still having this kind of... This is fucking Chinese propaganda on CBS. Meanwhile, in China, the government attacked in the epidemic's heart of Wuhan. City officials built two hospitals with more than 2,000 beds in the span of a few weeks. To stop the spread, a massive lockdown radiated out to nearly 60 million people across central China. While strong-arm tactics were used against people who refused to wear masks, with some beaten while others were locked into their homes, forcefully quarantined. 
And a new incredible stat out of China just today. The country reported just one, only one new domestic coronavirus case. There were 20 more, but those were imported from people traveling in from overseas. And anyone doing that gets to face a mandatory 14-day quarantine, and that's on their own dime. Nora? Interesting details from there. Thank you, Ramey. China says it will revoke the credentials of Americans at three U.S. newspapers in response to new U.S. restrictions on Chinese media. The foreign ministry wants journalists working for the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, whose credentials are due to expire before the end of 2020, to hand back their press cards within 10 days. That move comes after the Trump administration designated five Chinese media outlets as foreign missions and restricted the number of Chinese who could work for them. Late today, the Trump administration called the decision yet another step toward depriving the Chinese people and the world of access to true information. China did a great job? Really? It's global. Because of China. I mean, we, we have in our podcast reporters saying that Fox needed to be held accountable again and Trump should be brought up on charges for homicide while people defending China. Yeah. Maybe they should face something. Then we have this. I'm going to play three back-to-back. These are millennials. Uh, one of them is named... Um, Cash Hype and Batman, and they are licking toilets. They're calling it the Coronavirus Challenge, plus an actress who's now spinning wildly backwards from her laissez-faire, people are going to die oh fucking well, more of that hey boomer remover conduct. Um, yeah, till July sounds like a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry. But, like, it's a virus. I get it. Like... I respect it, but at the same time, like, even if everybody gets it, like, yeah, people are going to die. It's just terrible, but, like, inevitable? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this right now. I mean, one of these young ladies looks like she's getting off on it. It's really kind of scary. Then we have just the regular liberal stuff. Here is Andrew Bedlam to Don Bondingo. For real, dude, I hope you get corona and we watch you die on the news. Ilian Omar to Ivanka Trump. There's two people. Ivanka Trump did a sweet, and I, once again, not a Trumper. Don't know shit about Ivanka Trump. Sure, there's nepotism. There's nepotism everywhere. If you're rich, your kids are going to be rich. That's just the way the world works. So I really don't get butthurt over it. But she did this staying home today with kids, plan living room, camp out, throw a bed sheet over some tape together brooms, plan a menu and pack sandwiches and salads. A fun activity that also brings family together for meals. Share your ideas and use the hashtag together apart. Just a cute little thing. Beautiful photo of her two kids. It was like a family thing. And she's doing it to the people that look up to her. That She has a huge following. Ilian Omar, thinking of all the families separated forcibly by your father's policies today. Share your ideas on how you plan to unite them. Christy Teigen. 
She says, fuck, I'm so drunk from streams and I have a Skype therapy session in 20 minutes. All I've seen this bot do is pretty much Christmas ornaments in a cage and share a cape and pat statues a different cape and then change her cape into rude-ass jacket. Fuck you. Then, to Melania Trump, this is Christy Teigen still, has Melania ever thought about doing something with her best shit during these times? I see regular-ass awesome people on my timeline all day doing all they can to make people happy. And this wife bot is working on whatever the fuck a tennis gazebo is. I respect Donald to be a do-nothing fucking loser wimp, but that could maybe possibly try to uh, be better, possibly the best, be the best, the best, the best. Yeah. that That's Christy Teigen. Oh, I missed one. Like I cannot see, I canceled it. Don't worry, going to take a nappy. Don't drink and tweet, people. And then another one to Ivanka. After we quote, pack, unquote, sandwiches, can we please have COVID tests? Because it's her fault. And then we have MSNBC. O'Donnell. People are going to die because of Fox News. Asians are going to die because of Fox News. By the way, a lot of it is because Donald Trump has dismantled the Affordable Care Act, which... Sanders doesn't want to emphasize, but that's exactly why we're in the situation we're in. That's one of the surprising elements for me tonight is that neither one of the candidates mentioned that, oh, by the way, as this coronavirus is raging uh, through the country, the president of the United States is currently trying to take health care away from more than 20 million Americans by going to the United States Supreme Court and trying to get the Affordable Care Act ruled unconstitutional in its entirety. That's what Donald Trump is doing for health care coverage tonight. And no watcher of that debate was told about that. Absolutely. Lawrence, and, and nobody reminded people that this started the minute he was elected into office. So with people dying in this country from this uh, illness and more people contracting it every day, when the president stepped up to the microphone today, the very first thing he said was that he was happy. He used the word happy. And what he was happy about was the interest rate set by the Federal Reserve. He's saying that while people have loved ones in hospitals around this country today uh, dying from this disease. What was your reaction to what the president was so happy about today in that press conference? The most incompetent and uninformed president in history has led the federal government into the worst emergency response to a pandemic that we have ever seen in this country. One of our guests will tell us that it's one of the worst responses by any government in the world today. More people are sick in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. More people are dead and dying in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. More people are losing more of their life savings and retirement accounts today because Donald Trump is president. As we will discuss later in this hour, the president's 10-minute speech from the Oval Office last night directly provoked more loss of stock market value, which is to say retirement funds, than any other speech by any other president in history. If Donald Trump had just said nothing last night, where would we be today?
The xenophobia and the racism in outbreak is such a common thing. We've seen it in past uh, health outbreaks that we've seen in this country's history. The problem is it's coming directly from the President of the United States, and it is incredibly dangerous. It is problematic, and it is scary, and I just really want to call that out because you do have people in the Asian American community whose lives are at risk, and for the President to call it a Chinese virus or a foreign virus, that is just not not, uh, it's just so dangerous and not a good thing to do, obviously. I mislabeled that. It, it was, uh, people are going to die because of the Affordable Care Act. I'm sorry. I, I thought he, he said it also. <laughs> it's all bleeding together. But on par, the media has gotten better. Here's our negative COVID coverage. And slowly but surely, they're starting to realize that this is what they're saying it is, a huge deal, and they're, Constant ticky-tack, paddy-whack bullshit isn't helping. And you're seeing blowback on Twitter from even liberals saying, what is this going to help? Why are we politicking off coronavirus? Uh, Why are we fundraising off corona? Why aren't we working together? Despite widespread delays over testing and repeated mixed messages from his own administration, today President Trump gave himself high marks. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd rate it a 10. I think we've done a great job. Does the bus stop with you? Yeah, normally, but I think uh, when you hear the, uh, you know, this has never been done before in this country. But the confusing messages from the administration continued. The New York Times reporting that President Trump stunned some of the nation's governors in a conference call, telling them they should not wait for the federal government's help with respirators, ventilators, and other critical life-saving equipment, telling them they should, quote, try getting it yourselves. Asked about that today, the president did not back down. If they can get them directly, it's always going to be faster if they can get them directly, if they need them. Uh, And I've given them authorization to order directly. President Trump had said the virus would just disappear. Now he's marking a shift in tone. How are you talking to your own family about this? How are you talking to your youngest son? Uh, Do you empathize with this sense of anxiety? People are really scared. No, I think they are very scared. What you can do and all you can do is uh, professional, totally competent. Uh, but I think that I think that what we do, and I've spoken actually with my son, he says, how bad is this? It's bad. It's bad. The president himself was exposed to the coronavirus a little over a week ago. The Brazilian official in this photograph tested positive. The president was tested himself on Friday. He says the test came back negative. Not, not uh Something I want to do every day, I can tell you that. Is that he essentially told these states that they need to work on getting this additional medical equipment that they're saying they need before the federal government is going to try to intervene. Now, he did say that the federal government would try to help them. Would Let me read you the quote exactly that we got from this. He said, we will be backing you, but try getting it yourselves. Now, of course, this equipment is going to become incredibly important if it's not already in the next few days as we are moving from this phase where you saw people calling for these demands and increased testing to now figuring out what they're going to do with all of these patients who have coronavirus and how they are going to likely overwhelm the health system as people are trying to really limit that. So it's notable that that is something the president, that was essentially his message to these state officials on this call, urging them to try to take action first. Because remember, Brooke, on Friday, we saw that uh, statement, that letter 
from Democratic governors urging the president to invoke this mandate where essentially the federal government could help speed up the supply of creating ventilators, respirators, things that these hospitals are going to need in the coming weeks. Yep. Now, we haven't heard anything else about what exactly was said on this call. We're still waiting to learn that. But we should note that the president just tweeted a few moments ago talking about this call. And he didn't single out anyone except for one governor. Of course, that's Andrew Cuomo of New York, where the president said just had a very good teleconference with the nation's governors. It went very well. And then he said Cuomo of New York has to do more. Now, it's notable that the president only singled out that one governor, the one governor who held a very lengthy press conference earlier today. And, of course, they are going to be one of several states that are making these, this decision to see closing gyms, restaurants, bars, all of these places starting Monday night, tonight, of course. And so the president is urging him to do more, though we have definitely certainly seen Governor Cuomo out there, not only saying talking about what New York is going to do and what he's doing, but he's also been urging the federal government to get more involved. And that comes as there has been some criticism of the way the Trump administration has been slow to respond to things that people need like testing this crisis seems to have been designed to bring out the worst of trump the president doesn't like or trust experts often explaining that he knows more than they do he has bluffed and fibbed his way through much of his life and thinks nothing of doing so again except this time we are not charmed or amused by the bluster but rather frightened in most global crises the united states takes the lead and provides comfort and assurances to the world. In this one, Trump has been mostly AWOL. Watching the heads of America's leading science agencies prefacing their statements with ritual praise for the dear leader has been deeply depressing. Come to think of it, the Trump administration has been copying the wrong Korea. Instead of the intelligence and expertise of South Korea, it is emulating the sycophancy, incompetence, and propaganda of North Korea. During a Rose Garden news conference on Friday, the president repeatedly shook hands and touched the microphone, not to mention the news conference he held over the weekend with officials crowded together on the briefing room dais. No social distancing there. What we are not seeing, and, and this is notable to anybody who watched the news conference yesterday or the news conference on Friday, is the government leading by example. Why are they all crowded onto a small dais together? Why are they not practicing social distancing in their messaging to the American public to show them, not just tell them, but show them that it is important. Why is the president still shaking hands and touching a microphone and then touching his face? It just seems like, how do you, how do you sell this as important when you are not practicing it yourself? We started with 20 minutes of bullshit, down to five. But liberals gotta be liberals. The one that I was going to do for This Is America, but This Is America doesn't seem apt anymore because This Is America is all of us staying at our house, going to work, coming straight back to our house, and foraging for toilet paper. Except for Fox, networks mostly skip Trump call for National Day of Prayer. Well, most of us did that. Not a lot. As our nation takes precaution against China-originated Novo Corona, Trump announced over the weekend that Sunday, March 15th, will be a National Day of Prayer, calling on all faiths to pray for protection and strength. It is my great honor to declare Sunday, March 15th, the National Day of Prayer the President announced on Twitter. We're a country that throughout our history has looked to God for protection and strength in times like these. No matter where you may be, I encourage you to turn towards prayer. Trump's announcement, taking to her Twitter account, 
promoted vulgar message denigrating National Day of Prayer from Parkland School, David Hogg. Don't let his administration address COVID-19 like national gun violence. Fuck a National Day of Prayer. We need immediate comprehensive action. Tlaib retweeted the message to her nearly 1 million followers, seemingly addressing backlash over the repost. Tlaib again took to Twitter to backtrack. Let me be clear, as someone who has been praying through this all, and as someone who attended the National Prayer Breakfast, my retweet was not to be an attack on prayer. It was to bring attention to the need for meaningful action to combat this public health crisis, economic stimuluses for individuals, families, and our local community. Testing access for all, expanded paid six leave, unemployment benefits, moratorium on water shutoffs, mortgages, rent payments, and eviction. Tlaib has become known for a vulgar anti-Trump shit, and yeah, we've already covered it all. But the media, well, they were right in line with it. Here's another douchebag over on MSNBC. Welcome back to AM Joy. During the White House coronavirus briefing on Saturday, the Surgeon General took time out of what was supposed to be a White House briefing to essentially tell the media to be nice to Donald Trump. It was an extraordinary use of his time as the Surgeon General. And he was not alone. Dr. Ben Carson, who is both a neurosurgeon and for some reason the head of the Department of Housing, used his time on the microphone to tout a national day of prayer. Meanwhile, on Fox News, the word of the day is pivot! Since apparently the dear leader has finally realized coronavirus is an actual threat. I expected out of Joy Reid and everybody on MSNBC, but it's everywhere. Harvard New Religious Freedom Clinic hasn't even opened yet, already under attack. An LGBT group, oh, surprise, School Harvard School Lambda is raising concerns about Harvard's newest legal clinic meant to protect religious freedom. First announced in October by Harvard Law School Dean John F. Manning, the clinic provides an opportunity for students to take on cases to protect clients' religious liberties. Critics are concerned that such a clinic would cater to cases that may be perceived to violate the rights of the LGBT community. Harvard's ignoring and dismissing its most valuable resource, its student body, by remaining silent over the numerous and deafening calls for more transparent, honest, and frequent communication. Harvard Law School Lambda wrote in a public letter, prioritizing concepts of academic freedom without defining what they might look like or who leading this clinic would exercise that freedom, leaves the LGBT community at this institution and beyond more vulnerable Without the commitment we and many other student organizations seek, we worry this clinic would fly in the face of the law school's own non-discrimination policy. It's not even open yet. But, you know, we gotta attack Christians. Because somehow everybody who's not for 95 pronouns or doesn't believe we need to bend over and do cheetah flips for 0.07% of the country who has gender dysphoria, well, we must all be Christians. Yeah. Okay. Jennifer Rubin starts off our media douche nozzles. Jennifer Rubin, Trump and Fox News are killing their supporters. Slash viewers. And make no mistake, unlike Republicans who still live in the Fox News world and make believe, Democrats are fully aware of the coronavirus. Disclaimer, I'm a contributor to MSNBC. While about 53% of voters are at least somewhat concerned about coronavirus, 60% think the worst is yet to come. But it is Democrats who have clearly grasped the magnitude of the problem. Really? 
If this gap affect behavior, Republicans may take fewer precautions for themselves and their loved ones. To be blunt, Trump's nonchalant attitude amplified by Fox News may contribute to real suffering amongst Republicans that you hope happens. So why did you write the op-ed? You want Republicans to die. Replies, the Democrats know they can always count on a vast segment of the mainstream media to carry their narrative water, and as Red State noticed, some reporters do more heavily lifting than others. Here it comes. Chunk Unger. I can't wait to see if studies after coronavirus outbreaks show Republicans got it on average more because they listened to ignorant politicians like Nunes Trump and watched Fox News, who told them to ignore science and experts. Unfortunately, they're about to find out science is real. His tweet? It had the picture downtown Nashville of people fucking dancing that we talked about last week. And the world said, I mean, has anybody told him Nashville Nashville votes blue? Does he know that Nashville is full of Dems? The mayor's a Democrat? Does he know that? No. No, he doesn't. Because it's a red state. So everybody living there is goddamn racist xenophobes. Stephen Miller again. This is a real thing. Aaron Blake wrote in the Washington Post, President Trump, the White House, and their allies are increasing on blame China footing and the fight against coronavirus. They're stoking nationalism by emphasizing the country where the virus originated, calling it a Wuhan virus, lodging conspiracy theories about it, and being deliberate weaponized and accusing the Chinese of cover-ups. He responds, it's an undeniable fact. China did cover it up, Aaron Blank. A doctor who died from it stated as much a month ago. He then tweets another Aaron Blake about how Fox News is killing Americans. Yeah. Then you have the Paul Krugmans. Three days ago, Trump brings a stock market surge. The president would like to share the attached image with you and pass along the following message. From opening of the press conference, biggest day in stock market history, the note began. The message did not mention the coronavirus crisis. One of the people Trump sent the message to was Fox Business' Lou Dobbs, who then showed it on air. The left is having their day of joy, which always depends on others' suffering. How is this a trend? Matt McDermott. The Dow has now erased the entirety of gains made since January 2017th when Donald Trump took office. Will Donald Trump be sending out signed copies of this this morning? Market crash? Everybody in the world celebrating the loss of wealth from regular people's IRAs, pensions, and eggs nest eggs is sick, isn't it? Isn't it? Then there's the petty, still the petty, MSNBC. President Trump on how long the COVID-19 outbreak could last. We'll see what happens, but they think August could be July, could be longer than that. Politico's Jack Schaefer. These uniforms made Jerome Adams and Brent Gerori look like members of the Heaven Gate cult. Deborah Brink's outfit makes her look like a cult leader. Stephen Miller. Yeah, that's what my takeaway was, too. Thank you, Jack, for your tireless work to inform American people about people's outfits. I mean, just fucking, fucking, just petty. Then we had Julie Bosman, who was one of many from the New York Times. Because Trump was doing better, because they didn't have anything to nitpick, and because he's done everything the CDC said, 
And now you have Schumer, as I stated, saying, oh, don't go too far, or else we'll criticize that too, because we criticize what you're doing, we criticize everything. That's what we do, it's an election year. They decided to float a half quote. This was viral. It was a Twitter moment. And it was a lie. Julie Bozeman, wow. Respirators, ventilators, all the equipment, trying to get it yourselves, Mr. Trump told the governors. Take precaution against Wuhan. Yes, local governments can handle this more quickly and efficiently. Why is everybody who's been calling Trump a fascist dictator for three years suddenly freaking out about his delegating responsibility? That was one line. People that watched the briefing, pouncing coder Brad. Wow. Please share the entire quote, you hack. You're why trust in your industry is lower than pond scum. Wait, you mean she left something out? Julie is a New York Times journalist who deliberately only half-quoted it. Jason Rance, other than your bias, why not include the next two sentences? We will be backing you, but try getting yourself point of sales. Much better, much more direct if you can get it yourself. Others, he asked for a group effort. Respirators, ventilators, all the equipment, trying to get yourself. We're backing you up, but try getting it yourself. Point of sales, much better. The entire world gave it the full quote. Paul Wegman, second part. Siri Hajami. Julie Bozeman tweets out a misleading Trump quote that leaves out important context. There it is. Julie Fletcher. Don't be this person, Julie. It's unethical. Use the full quote. But that wasn't the only person from the New York Times. The one I saw before this broke, Mara Gay. Trump told governors this morning they're on their own. Respirators, ventilators, all the equipment. Try to get it yourself. Siri Hajami. Mara Gay followed the lead of her colleague, Julie Bozeman, leaves out important context of Trump's quote, and they fill in the blank. This also means that if you had a dollar for every New York Times employee who snipped this quote to mislead people, you'd give them all of America a million dollars. Logan Hall, another New York Times employee did it, and I can't, they didn't have the name attached to it. Zach Parkinson. So at least four times, including from the paper's Twitter account, New York Times reporter deliberately cut off the quote to misrepresent what Trump said. He print screens the actual New York Times tweet. Matt Whitlock, is there a reason you cut this off? Her reply, because the second part of the quote, this is Julie Bozeman, repeats the first part twice. Twice. That's what she says. RBE, you're really going to double down on this. You're wrong. Take the fucking loss. That's what they did. Because they're running out of things to criticize. Then we had this winner, winner, chicken dinner from CBS. He was proud of himself, and he screamed and yelled, and literally other journalists like, what the fuck, why is he yelling? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd rate it a 10. I think we've done a great job. And it started with the fact that we kept a very highly infected country Despite all of the, even the professionals uh, saying, no, it's too early to do that. We were very, very early with respect to China. 
And we would have a whole different situation in this country if we didn't do that. I would rate it a, a very, very, I would rate ourselves and, and the professionals. I think the professionals have done a fantastic job. As far as the testing, you heard the Admiral. I think the, the testing that we've done, we, we really took over an obsolete system or uh, put it maybe in a different way, a system that wasn't meant to do anything like this. We took it over and we're doing something that's never been done in this country. And I think that uh, we are doing very well. We took the system, we worked with the system we had, and uh, we broke down the system purposely. We broke it down in order to do what we're doing now. And within a short period of time, and even now, we're testing tremendous numbers of people. And ultimately, you're saying it will be what? It will be up to how many people will we we'll be able to test? We, cer we certainly expect, with the high-throughput testing, that that's no longer a barrier. So, of course, CBS took this out and dunked on it. Barack Obama at least had the modesty to rate himself a solid B-plus when asked about his performance, but Trump gave himself a 10 out of 10. The White House producer, CBS This Morning, commented on Yahoo News' Hunter Walker, who asked the question. Kristen Brown, not a fan of Hunter Walker screaming at everyone else in his briefing. Paula Reed, second. Hunter Walker, I'm literally watching CBS lead their post-briefing coverage with the president's answer to my question right at this very moment. Yay! Because he was pissed off that people were dunking on him for yelling. CBS News, President Trump has asked if the coronavirus won a 10. I'd rate it a 10. I think we've done a great job. We've just done a great job. Yahoo News kicks things off with a stupid question, and CBS News decides to run with it. As did CNN, Tom Elliott. CNN has spent almost an entire 5 p.m. hour talking about Trump administration's 10 of 10 for its handling of the coronavirus. That's the news today. Because they're running out of things to, they, they can't, they can't criticize. They're having a hard time with this. They don't know what to do. He's looking presidential. He's handling things. He's doing what everybody's telling him to do. He totally changed his demeanor. God, they're pissed off. Carl Gustav, I rate Hunter W. a 10 on the clown scale. Um, Taja Pasek, I'd rate this firefighter journalist a 10 of 10 of being awful. Ian Michael Chong, this guy is so obnoxious. He's always going to say, perfect, Hunter. The media does their part in tearing him down no matter what he does. He loves y'all to fact check him. It's a cry fest every day. That only proves everyone else's point, not yours. But keeping patting yourself on the back, you're such a hero during this time in our country. And this is when it started to change. This part of the week, you see more and more people saying this. I knew you would go for the douchebag. I'm going to try a gotcha question so I could become famous. Before you even opened your stupid mouth. It was a stupid question. We don't learn anything that will promote public health or safety. It was an opportunity for you to write a petty political hit piece in the middle of a crisis. So, they're still there, and I grabbed a few, but you see a lot more of this. This is a New York Times reporter. Government is the problem. Get government out of my life. Starve the beast. Well, here we are in the middle of a pandemic without a functioning federal government. What now? He then retweeted Neil Cattell. This is another Obama administration solicitor general. Idea, 
Trump resigned for grave incompetence. George W. Bush and Obama run this together. We can figure out how to do this constitutionally. It's tough to but possible. Doesn't actually even need Trump to resign. He just needs to get out of the way and let the pros do the hard work. He then responded, I heard this feedback to my tweet and I decided to delete it. Thanks for checking me. I really appreciate it. Stay safe, everyone. Max Boot, another easier Trump and Pence resign. Pelosi becomes president. Market just rebounds magically and the virus just goes away. He didn't say that, but that's what he's trying to dictate. Because they, they just, they, yeah, they just can't. Stephen Miller, oh yeah, 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 we get it, media. You hate Trump, but siding with China over your own country because orange man bad is just gross. Especially during a time when the country's already in constant state of upheaval and chaos. You'd think they'd want to reassure Americans and share the absolute most correct information possible during times like this. But nope, they're too focused on playing politics, culture wars, and whatnot. Look at this garbage. Yamashale Cinder. President Trump changed his entire tone during today's White House briefing on coronavirus. He was somber. He said U.S. and world had no control over it. He said U.S. might see a recession now. Just four years later, he is back on leaning on culture wars and calling coronavirus the China virus. Stephen Miller. It's not a culture war. It's pushing back against PRC propaganda. China is currently trying to pin this on the United States, and you're helping them do it, intentionally or not, by making this about some liberal arts PC issue. Almost identical blue check tweets, Stephen Miller does. Grant Wall and Yamashur Alcinder. All of them. There's probably a hundred out there. They all went with that angle because they couldn't criticize him on anything so they went back to the china stephen miller completes this this is not about red culture blue culture this is about an international information war and these people should be met be smart enough to recognize that china literally does not care about the buzzfeedification of our media you're acting like useful tools for them you are a useful idiot for them there is no acting involved She really either doesn't get it or she's a willing participant for the Chinese state. And it's true. It, it's true. They just can't help themselves. They have to nitpick or play politics. It's less on air. It's more on Twitter. And then when they do it, they meet an onslaught and shut the fuck up. Not the time. USA Today. Los Angeles Time. Pretty much the same thing. The next avenue. It's not just toilet paper. A growing number of Americans are purchasing guns and ammo. Tim Pool. Now the panic is back on the menu. People in urban centers are learning just why we in the Second Amendment keep our guns. Nicholas Kristoff. New York Times. One day in which the coronavirus will lead to more deaths. It is leading the rush to buy guns, which will lead to more murders, suicides, and accidents. Guy says, uh, that doesn't add up, pal. Anna Presley on the coronavirus is possible spreading in prison. Here goes round two of dump the jails. How do we deal with this? Well, what I've been focusing on, Rev, uh, in my uh, role on oversight is certainly all those uh, vulnerable 
uh, communities already living on the margins, as you alluded to earlier. Uh, this pandemic, COVID-19, has certainly highlighted and exacerbated every socio-ratio uh, political fault line uh, in our country. And I'm just uh, advocating to make sure that when we are uh, talking about those that are most vulnerable, our low-income um, residents and citizens, those experiencing homelessness, our, our seniors, um, that we are also including the incarcerated uh, men and women who are certainly amongst uh, one of the most vulnerable populations and given the uh, crowding and overpopulating in our prisons um, for a confluence of other reasons that we won't get into in this interview, Rev, uh, but you are certainly well aware of, are an ecosystem and a petri, and a petri dish. Uh, for the spreading of this pandemic, uh, which is why I partnered with my colleagues, Representative Velasquez, Ocasio-Cortez, and Tlaib, um, to, uh, add, to lobby the Bureau of Prisons to use their full power and to communicate uh, guidance for how we will contain and mitigate this epidemic behind the wall. Uh, specifically, do they have access to testing? Um, secondly, has anyone already tested positive? And what are the quarantine measures? Again, given the overpopulating and the fact that many of these uh, facilities are already subpar and that incarcerated men and women do not have access um, to soap, to alcohol-based uh, hand sanitizers, to regular uh, showers, um, you know, what is the guidance both for those that are incarcerated and for for staff, and and that the BOP use their full powers. I think now would be the time to uh, commute some sentences, um, to uh, exact clemency, um, and to take care of our most vulnerable. Ten percent of those that are incarcerated are over the age of sixty and already have an underlying uh, condition. Uh, we should be using compassionate release. It's so fucking dangerous. I know we started the show and then we got it over here, but it's it just. This stuff's coming, and I'm putting it in a podcast, and the most egregious, I want to get up front, because that's when they outright are doing it and calling for it. And this was the media version on MSNBC. But, I mean, just common sense. Why? It's a prison. Don't let anybody come in. We shouldn't have guards within six feet anyway and during this time you keep them down on lockdown you open them up to go to chow you put them back down on lockdown you don't have that many guards around them if you watch 60 days in it isn't like there's a lot of contact with the outside world to a person in the jail so what what why do we need to dump the jails you can tell they're just they're having a hard time. Joy Reid was one of my favorite. This is just a, a myriad of different types of tweets I grabbed. What's the point of these pressers? Honest question. The whole world. These daily pressers are incredibly valuable. They signal federal intent to states. They update on progress and new testing regimes and provide an opportunity to reiterate the importance of hygiene, social distancing, and public safety steps. This is the wrong ho hoop to dunk. That was from a liberal. But they're pitching about the pressers because they didn't want it. They wanted him just to sit up there and back off because we want to use this to get elected. Mark Grant, I noticed the press is saying how many males and females are getting the virus. It's amazing how all the other 57 genders aren't getting it. <laughs> uh, that was pretty funny. Chuck Grassley, seen a lot of politics with these bills. 
This wasn't on the media. Second day at 9.48 a.m., we just received the bill from the House, the family's first Coronavirus Response Act. What business do Democrats have blaming McConnell all weekend for not calling a vote when we can't do anything until the House sends it over? That wasn't put out in the media. CNN and MSNBC dunked all weekend that McConnell didn't care because he wouldn't just vote on the House bill, even though everybody knows that's not how it works. But you got to score points. Jennifer Rubin, Trump sank the market again. Like the third time she's done it. She's happy. Once again, the whole world. Why would you take joy in normal citizens being fucked by a virus? Not Trump. The economy's only down and going to go in a recession or all the crazy shit they're talking about. Not because Trump fucked up, because China released a virus. But we can't say China released a virus because then you call us racist. Like this one. Weijia Zhang. Nobody can confirm this. She has retweeted this six times. It went to a Twitter moment, and then even Twitter backed off because they can't prove this ever happened. This morning, a White House official referred to coronavirus as the Kung Flu to my face. Makes me wonder why they call it behind my back. So even if it happened, somebody made a joke and she got butt hurt because she's a liberal. And we got to make points. Don't fix things. Don't try to protect the American public. Just play politics. Sahil Kapur, perfect example. Elizabeth Warren demands eight conditions attached to the bailout package for business, including a 15 minimum wage for workers, a ban on share buybacks, and no dividends or exec bonuses for three years. This is what she demanded. I mean, we already talked about they wanted to have all this pork. Companies must maintain their payrolls and use funds to keep people working or on payroll. Companies must provide a 15 minimum wage. Companies are permanently prohibited from engaging in share purchases, repurchases. Companies are prohibited from paying out dividends or executive bonuses. Companies must set aside at least one seat, but potentially two or more, as the amount of relief increases on the board of directors for representative elected by workers. Collective bargaining agreements should remain in place and should not be reopened. Corporations must obtain shareholder and board approval for all political expenditures. Did did you catch that? It sounds like something the Politburo put out. CEOs must be required to personally certify a company is compliance and face criminal penalties for violating these certifications. Camilla Harris, hold my beer. We cannot ignore the strain of emergency situations like the corona pandemic put on many families who are already living paycheck to paycheck. I introduced Lift Act, $500 a month per family indefinitely. That came after Mr. I am a conservative, Romney. Let's just send everybody a thousand dollars. Just a thousand. Then you have the people who just won't give up. COVID-19 isn't the only illness that's spreading. TDS is rampant. 
While TDS is an actual medical condition, it does cause feverish delusion and chronic hot takes. Have a look at what it's done to NBC News and MSDNC legal analysts and a former federal prosecutor, Glenn Kirshner. Hey, all. And this is kind of long, but it's worth the read. Can we all talk about one of the few topics I may actually know too much about homicide, specifically whether Donald Trump may have criminal exposure for some level of negligent homicide or voluntary involuntary manslaughter for the way he mishandled the coronavirus. No, this is real. I didn't make this up. It's on Twitter. You can look him up. His last name is spelled K-I-R-S-C-H-N-E-R. I spent 22 of my 30 years as a federal prosecutor handling murder cases in Washington. I served as chief of the homicide section of the U.S. Attorney's Office, oversee all murders, prosecutions in the city. I was always on the lookout for novel ways to apply homicide liability and attempt to appropriately and ethically hold accountable those who are responsible for taking the life of a fellow human being. I think it's fair to observe that there's nothing more devastating to family than losing a loved one or either violent crimes or two and an illness that could have been prevented or mitigated. Trying to simulate all available evidence rapidly developing and being reported every day to fairly assess whether Trump and his administration may have acted, failed to act in a way that could give rise to homicidal liability. This is not an easy question. Further, whereas the evidence is clear that Trump has committed multiple criminal offenses, both before his tenure as president, campaign finance crimes, and during his time as president, obstruction of justice, bribery, homicide liability by his negligent, gross negligent, and or possibly intentional mishandling of the coronavirus crisis in the U.S. is more nuanced than thorny issue and deserves careful consideration. But all homicide liability issues must be addressed because all criminal charges will have to be investigated and evidence dictates prosecuted by January 2021. Now, do you understand why people say the left's only doing this and the media's doing it to find another way to impeach Trump? By the way, the person I played that, she got taken off the air because of the blowback. She's benched for a while. She's not fired. But do you see why people say it? Because if you live on Twitter... And you just look around. Joe Lockhart posted last night the idea that Fox may face serious liability. That's how far they're going. Because they're in quarantine. they got nothing to do. And they can't be a team player. Their job is to make sure Trump gets impeached, not reelected, and they hate conservatives. So they have to figure out a way to punish them. Robert Barnes, this nut job was a federal prosecutor. Josh Hammer, MSDNC legal analyst with a take that would be graded as zero by any law professor. Ron Coleman, how many lives did this lunatic ruin with a three-decade lust for power? LB, given the rest of your thread, the fact that you were a federal prosecutor fucking terrifies me. That's a young girl. She's not a conservative. I went to her website. Um, LB, uh, I can't, beyond, beyond reasonable doubt. Not Michael Dopper. Glenn knows less about homicide than I would have guessed. Hey, Popat, can we give, get the ABA to disbar this guy? Seriously. Seriously. How did he mishandle it? What probably will be researched and probably 
does have criminal offenses? This. San Francisco imposes strictest shutdown in nation, leaves many unanswered questions. The health officer city and county of San Francisco directs all individuals in the county to shelter in place, except that they may leave to provide or receive certain essential services or engage certain essential activities and work for essential business and government services. Exempted individuals experience homelessness from the shelter in place order, but urging them to find shelter in government agencies to provide it. Directing all businesses and government agencies to cease non-essential operations at physical locations. Now, almost everywhere in the country right now, and I can read all this, it's like 10 bullets, it's long, I won't bore you. They have told bars and restaurants you can't be open, you can only do drive-thru. San Francisco told me you can't leave your fucking house. They closed all businesses. And they don't even have a pandemic there. Now, California is not the most infected state. But they shut it down. What are people supposed to do? What? You can't leave your house? AOC. What we should seriously start to consider now for the medium and long term, because it will take time, is a New Deal style policy. We need a mix of policies to help put a lot of people to work. Climate transition, EDU expansion with apprenticeship and colleges. These are job Bills. Yes, she didn't stop with, we're going to do climate change. Maybe that is criminal. I don't know. Could be me. To op-eds I picked out. This past week, signal a turning point in America's health emergency by Ryan Sanchez on CNN. Basically, we're all going to die because of Donald Trump. Then you start getting in pollings, all right? And these are all MSDNC polling. 60% believe worst is yet to come for the U.S. in the coronavirus pandemic. It goes with what these loops are saying, that conservatives are all going to die because conservatives aren't freaking out. Partisan lines. Conservatives are actually reading and saying, hey, not that bad. We probably don't need to buy out all the toilet paper. Yeah, we don't need to go to big games, and we probably don't need to go to bars, but we don't need to declare martial law. This isn't contagion, for fuck's sake. I mean, seriously. Some of these people, I mean, you go to Netflix and fucking Outbreaks, like number four, which we did watch it, because I haven't watched that forever. But, I mean, seriously, you don't need to go full contagion. We're not, it, that, not that many people are dying. That's an R naught of six and contagion killed 50%. 50. Twenty-eight weeks. Those were 99% kill rates. Only 1% of the country, the world lived. The pandemic flu of the 20s. That was a huge kill rate. We're not even there. Marine Dowd, I was going to read it. I'm not going to waste your time. Plagued by the president, Trump washes his hands of responsibility. This was on the 14th. She's eating fucking crow. She's the only person that came out of it with that. He had a briefing that day. 
Carl T. Broomstock. As if the coronavirus panic and hysteria were already insane, people deliberately spreading fake stories to inspire even more fear for clicks and taps seems to be all over social media. Why do that? People are scared enough, and with some state governments shutting down restaurants and bars, last thing we need is panic peddlers. Carl T. Bergstrom, a professor of biology from the University of Washington, wrote about a made-up story in a pretty amazing thread that illustrates how important it is to ask questions, push back, and not freak out. His tweet screen. Well, that was an exciting afternoon for coronavirus disinformation. We had a panic-induced threat about complete breakdown of the health system in Seattle. Scott Mintzer, M-I-T-Z-E-R. In short, this is a nightmare teetering on the precipice of even worse destruction. The goal of every American city should be to avoid becoming the next Seattle. Everyone needs to understand not just how bad this could get, but how bad this already is in one major U.S. city. Back to reality. It was based on a second-hand account from an unnamed physician at an unnamed Seattle area hospital. When I contacted the author of the thread, he was not forthcoming with any details about where this was happening or the source he got it from. The story followed a common misinformation playbook mixing elements of truth with falsehoods, tracking plausible narratives. We've seen a number of such threads claiming dire conditions that turn out to be inaccurate. I asked for confirmation or refuting it. Can anyone confirm not consent with what I know living here in Seattle? Boom. Several Seattle area MDs and other health professionals disputed the account. No one confirmed. I can see why they didn't want to go too public about it. Since questioning the story, I've been slammed with all sorts of vitriol and libel as I expected to be. Update. I've been contacted by a couple of people who say that this thread does not entirely paint an accurate picture of the whole Seattle area. I do not want to delete and leave no trail, but everyone, their others' info should all by, by all means report what's going on. And now he has deleted the entire thread, the original thread with all the false information. This is not the first time we've seen anything like this. A similar thread a couple days ago also walked back by its physician author. Please stay at home. These are challenging times. I will no longer tweet from anonymous sources. It was from PNW Physician Social Media that vetted to be only MDs. My previous tweets are purely in hope to help, but I get the source credibility is important, and they yank theirs. Lots of lessons, maybe most important, is that if the scariest, most dramatic version of events is coming from unnamed secondhand sources and named verifiable sources are giving more tempered reports, be skeptical skeptical of the alarmist account. I'm exhausted. This sort of thing takes a huge mental and emotional toll because it matters and because you get hit with a torrent of hatred for trying to disprove. Please help me fight disinformation. The virus is more than a formidable on its own. We don't need to make it panic-induced worse. Brit Hume. As the number of cases expand, the mortality rate has declined it will likely decline even further. And he goes down real numbers and shows it's 1.84. But we were told we were all dead by the media. Larry Schweikert is the guy I've been following, and I concur. Since it's almost certain was here since December with no noticeable burst of flu. 
it's even more likely that the real mortality rate is far lower than what is posted here. People seem to overlook that the first 19 deaths were in the same nursing home. Direct contact. But we've probably been dealing with this for a long time. It was just the flu and people didn't go to the doctor. Let's be honest. How many of you go to the doctor for the flu? I don't. The only time I've ever gone for chest cold is when I can't sleep. I mean, I'm, I got so much shit in my lungs, I'm done, and my inhaler doesn't work. We have to be smart enough to fucking understand there are people that benefit from panic. Politicians, businesses, nutcases on social media trying to make a name for themselves, reporters that we've covered on this show at nauseum, they all want to get popular. But some of the fear-mongering coming off the left, California's calling cops on their neighbors if they hear them cough. Well, you shut a whole city down. You shut a whole city down. You had, we dissolved stuff. We're not prepared for it. The Washington Post, no friend of Trump. No, the White House didn't dissolve its pandemic response team. No, that wasn't true. It wasn't true. It's gotten so bad that fucking David Boreanaz. Fear kills the immune system. Watching CNN will destroy you. Today, CBS shut down our show, complete episode 21 and 22, because of the coronavirus. It's a great season. I'm going to miss you guys. And then the next day, he says, fear kills the immune system. And he's right. Because that's what's going on. People literally are freaking the fuck out. Because if you watch CNN from the beginning of this, you're dead. You're not even alive, man. You're fucking, you're fucking McCain, bro. Then our last penny, and we're going to go into a couple odds and ends, and then our positives, because I actually have positives. I knew I'd get them. It just took some time. Reuters tweeted out the new social distancing. Reuters, White House Coronavirus Task Force recommends avoiding social gatherings of more than 10 people. So, instantly, because we're going to have positives today, they're running out of things to criticize, Jennifer Epstein, who was Hillary Clinton's person during the election, With 16 people in the photo. It was a picture of a briefing. And the new policy's 10. Stephen L. Miller, the cool kids table is at it again. David Reitz, great catch. You just cured the virus, Jennifer. Jennifer Epstein, deleted original tweet because this photo is not from today. This is a woman responding to her. Oh, but you want it to be fap, fap, fap. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Visser, Washington Post. 
A group of 16 Trump administration officials crowded onto a stage and standing shoulder to shoulder urged Americans not to congregate in groups larger than 10. And then he deleted his. Stephen Miller. This isn't a social gathering, Jennifer and Matt. Everybody, it's not social. Peter Paschal. Wouldn't matter, though, would it? Because the gathering was official. How embarrassing. Reuter had misleading use of photo from yesterday's press conference. Even if it wasn't from the day, it still shouldn't be classed as a social gathering. Stephen L. Miller, one last time. The White House CDC team, along with the president, exactly like millennials, going out to a pub on St. Patrick's Day. Jesus fucking Christ, these people are just relentless. And he's right. Just relentless. It's non-stop, man. You just gotta find something. And now that I'm, you know, with the wife, I got nothing to do, we are paying attention more, it just makes me laugh. I mean, what the fuck, Chuck? And why did Reuters take a photo from the day before? It didn't need a photo. It should be CDC says. That's where it's coming from. It's not like Trump sitting up in his goddamn office throwing darts at the... Let's make some shit up today. They're right. Ten or less. Fuck, our son's coming over for breakfast tomorrow. He's got to sanitize when he walks in my house. He works in a fucking place that's full of germs. Two, two military stor- stories. U.S. soldier in virus quarantine, prisoners receive better care. I can't lock this down if it's true or not, but I'm going to find out. It looks like they're sending guys to come back from Afghanistan and other places because now there's a domestic travel ban and there's a foreign travel ban. So if you're in the military, you can't travel, basically. And they're going to a quarantine place, and I guess it's bad. Then a huge story on Army Times was General of 101st says... Soldiers are safer in the field because they opened up to questions. Now, Gigi came across it, my better half, and we we listened to it. It was a Facebook briefing. It's right when everybody started doing it. I mean, for the first two days, we watched Tennessee's governor do it. I thought Bill Lee gave a really good brief. I mean, i got to be quite honest. Up until that point, on the heels of... Doing my podcast and going out in public to get some groceries. I got to admit, for about a second, I was teetering like, man, maybe I should take this way more serious. Maybe we should lock it down. Maybe I should get the fucking Claymores put out. This is the end of days. I don't really have Claymores. That's just a joke. Um, But his briefing kind of went, cool. For two days, I listened. I even watched a White House briefing, which I, I haven't watched Trump speak since inauguration, really, other than sound bites I play, I just don't watch the news. I can't do it anymore. And the moment he gets done speaking, it's just going to be unspeakable bullshit that just pisses me off. Not because I like Trump, but because God under Obama, it was, oh, I got another thrill on my dick with, you know, fucking Chris Matthews and what a great orator and oh my God, he is the greatest human being ever. We are so lucky he is our dear leader. I couldn't watch that shit. So now I go into this and I just don't want to watch it either. But during it, he said that. And it was a good briefing about the base, how they're going to fix the commissary because he got depleted just like Walmart, Kroger, everywhere else. And 
a bunch of wives were worried, and they forwarded that question. Hey, is it, is it safe? Why are they in the field? Why aren't they with their families? And it sounds like army mumbo-jumbo, but it's true. It goes back to the same reason why I'm saying this prisoner thing is stupid as fuck. They're safer there. There's less contact in the back 40 of a military base while they're training than there is on base when you got people coming on and off the base. <clears throat> I mean, the bases have literally gone to, they don't even touch the ID card anymore. You kind of hold it up and they scan it. They're keeping contact away. They got face masks on the guards. Well, the prisons are the same thing. It, it, don't let visits, period. Guards have to be tested before they walk in. Food services has to be tested. Supplies have to be tested. They're in a sterile environment right now. And if you're not arresting anybody, because no liberal city is right now, well, I'd rather be in prison right now than out on the street if this is the global killer you keep saying it is. Which brings us to our positives. PolitiFact tags Biden mostly false on virus testing. This is from one of his briefings. CNN, on the other hand, oh, says Joe's right. Joe's right, because we want Joe to win. President Biden, President Trump says he does not take any responsibility for the problems with coronavirus testing, in part because he says he inherited so many rules, regulations, and red tape. Did bureaucratic red tape hamper this response in any way? No, look, the World Health Organization offered, offered the testing kits that they have available and to give it to us now. We refused them. We did not want to buy them. We did not want to get them from them. We wanted to make sure we had our own. I think he said something like, we have the best scientists in America, or something to that effect. The I- it's rare that PolitiFact doesn't like go with the left, but this time they didn't. Going to play uh, Dr. Drew now, who once again says, don't listen to journalists. I, I don't claim to know what's motivating the media, but my God, their reporting is absolutely reprehensible. They should be ashamed of themselves. They are creating a panic that is far worse than the viral outbreak. The the bottom line, everybody, is listen to Anthony Fauci at the CDC, do what he tells you, and go about your business. That's the story. There's not one doctor I've spoken to that disagrees with me. Not one. I, I ran into an agreement with Dr. Oz last night. He was saying the same thing. We're all telling you the same thing. Stop listening to journalists. They don't know what they're talking about. Listen to the CDC. Listen to Anthony Fauci. And do not listen to anybody else. This is the job of those people. They are highly trained professionals. They know what they're doing. Just follow their direction. You know, I saw CNN reporters this morning talking to an infectious disease doctor from from, uh, Vanderbilt, a very fine infectious disease doctor. But I wanted to scream at him, tell these people to stop. Tell the press to stop. They went, oh, my God, what about the testing? we, We don't have testing. And the doctor just simply calmly went, no, no, we have private and public testing. We're rolling it out. We have it. We have the same as other countries. Oh, but we don't. We don't. Shut up. We do. And by the way, you don't test people willy-nilly. The way medical tests are done is you, you have criteria for the test. Doctors determine that criteria. You apply the test. Testing randomly is called a screening test. That's no longer a diagnostic test. You do diagnostic tests when the index of suspicion of the illness is high. Then, otherwise, you don't test. If you have an index of suspicion that is moderate, you tell people to stay home. That's it. It's awful that people get sick. I mean, I know. I got H1N1. It sucked. I treated people with it. It was awful. And we have another awful virus circulating around now. 
And by the way, if you combine corona and influenza this year, it's still just a moderate flu season. It's not even a severe flu season. Wow. So all these horror stories about lack of ventilators and hospital beds being full, that is total BS. Total BS. Uh, do not be alarmed by the word pandemic, which uh, the CNN reporter seemed to discover this morning. <laughs> Let me translate for you the word the word pandemic. Pandemic is a is a technical term that means a a new virus, b widespread. Do you think we have that? Yes, we do. Can you name for me the last pandemic? Well, we had one about ten years ago, the H one N one. And oh my God, did the world come to an end then? I actually got H one N one. It was brutal. I, I don't like the fact that people have to get sick. But we ha- we are biological beings, and we have these viral outbreaks, and we're in one now. We don't have treatment. We don't have vaccines yet, though we will. In the meantime, we have containment, and contain it we will, period. Wash your hands, get your flu shot. That should be the story. Wash your hands, get your flu shot. Every sentence should end with that because you are way orders of magnitude more likely to die of the flu than the coronavirus. We have 18,000 dead from the flu, 280,000 hospitalized so far in this country. We have 26 dead from coronavirus. Which should you be more concerned about? Tell me that. Just do the math. Uh, If you are over the age of 70, maybe over the age of 65, particularly if you have any chronic medical conditions, and if you are a smoker over 50, you should be behaving differently than the rest of us. You should be essentially staying home for a while. You shouldn't be going to public events. You should do some social distancing for a couple of weeks until this thing blows over, and that's it. The rest of us, go about your business. I'm traveling all over the country this week, and uh, the planes are full. The airports are full. People are wearing masks foolishly. Why is anybody listening to anybody else? This is a medical problem. Did you did you hop into the H1N1 epidemic? Were you guys all involved with that? Were you criticizing the CDC and the government during the H1N1 epidemic? That one was worse. Yeah. Where were you guys? We couldn't have done it without you. Oh, wait a minute. It's fine. <laughs> you don't even remember it. Listen, the, the story should be the World Health Organization and the CDC and the equivalent agencies in the various countries across the world should be taking a bow. We should be tipping our hat to them for doing an extraordinary job. We have a new illness. We identified it. We know the epidemiology. We created a test for it. We don't yet have a vaccine and a treatment, but it's underway. In the meantime, we are containing it. They should take a bow. We should be tipping our hat to them. Could things have been done faster? Always. Always. That's the way medicine is. We, we contemplate. We think. We try to do no harm before we jump in. This is like saying the surgeon took too long to do the operation. The surgery worked out great, but I wish he'd been, you know, not spent those last two hours thinking about the risk and benefits of that surgery. This is insanity. This is a level of insanity that has me angry. This is not the the medical profession is fine with it. We are are a little bit faster, would have been good. A little more private sector involvement would have been good. Yeah. In a few weeks, this is going to phase out. Is that just because there is a flu season and you expect the the COVID-19 to sort of follow the same timeline as your typical flu season? I don't expect it. I guarantee it. Viruses have a life. A, 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 they, they come on, they grow, they plateau, and they go away. There's, there's, a, there's a time course to the life cycle of every influenza, every viral outbreak. And we are in the uptick right now. We are about to hit the plateau. We will contain, and then it will start to die out. It hates heat, it hates humidity, and it will go away. If this gets into the homeless population, well, if, if the government would like to spend some of that $8 billion, 
Why don't they go and take care of the most vulnerable population we have in the country, which are people who are immunocompromised, living in concentrated environments, not vaccinated, with no sanitation. We have 60,000 of them in Los Angeles. If this gets into that population, I will sing a different tune. But, Dr. Drew, I just saw the governor of California uh, take to his Twitter feed and give everyone instructions about how to properly wash their hands. That should solve the, the problem there in the homeless population, right? Oh, yeah, that'll be the end of it. we got no problem. They're, they, they're washing their hands in the L.A. River, which uh, with all the excrement and urine and blood that uh, pours off our streets, that should be perfect. So, in the time that Trump has been president, I might have played... Three positives on other than Fox, right? Because Fox, you know, they're conservative. They're, they're going to back the president, whereas the other ones have spent their whole time trying to get him impeached, unelected, yada, yada. I'm going to play more right now. Just right now. You got Dana Bash, Axelrod, Mojo, Cuomo. The governor said positive about Trump. And then we'll end with the Trump team debunking dumb shit. And my favorite soundbite of the week, Donald Trump dunking on John Carl, I think is his name, from ABC trying to play politics in the briefing. And he just bitch slapped him. And I liked it. I mean, look, this is just coming back to where this conversation started after the press conference. I hear what Sanjay is saying about uh, Tony Fauci giving, you know, a little bit more wiggle room than, than others. But if you look at the big picture, this was remarkable from the president of the United States. This is a nonpartisan. This is um, an important thing to note uh, and to applaud from an American standpoint, from, an, from a human standpoint. He is... Um, being the kind of leader that people need, at least in tone, today and yesterday, in tone that people need and want and yearn for in times of crisis and uncertainty. So we are... You are right. This will rob Trump of his ability to do these large rallies. But he has one big platform right now. We saw it today. He's the president of the United States in the midst of a crisis. It took him a long time to acknowledge the depth of that crisis. Uh, But if he consistently... Uh, appears to be wrestling with that crisis. This is a country that likes to rally behind the leader. It was also interesting to see him today uh, sticking through the coronavirus task force uh, comments. Normally, he wouldn't even be there at all. Then he was, and then he left, uh, you know, the other day. They obviously have had a big strategic discussion uh, about... This is the story of the time, and and he wants to get it. But I would argue he acts more like an MC at these events than he is uh, as a leader who's giving you information that you need as an American citizen. He says, let me introduce Tony Fauci and let me introduce the vice president. I mean, the vice president actually has been somebody who has seemed to be much more in command of this than than the president himself. And he continues just to be the person who introduces people <clears throat> with knowledge. I don't know if that he's still, no, 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 no. But he, he look, he was audacious today in trying to rewrite history about yeah. how this whole thing began and all of the time that he took uh, kind of downplaying the the threat, but I don't think we should underestimate the platform that he has yes, here, absolutely. just as a pure political matter. And you know, Americans should be rooting for him to uh, get command of this situation. But uh, you know, if you're Joe Biden, you have to think about how, you how do you run against a guy who's spending hours on television every day talking to Amer- the American people about this mortal threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on that regard, I've been talking to uh, President Trump. Uh, We're working in partnership 
and he has activated the federal government. We're looking at the U.S. Uh, Army Corps of Engineers to come in and help us build and construct FEMA to help us come in with emergency supplies. But uh, that's the third uh, strategy, if you will, build new beds in 45 days, if that's even possible. And, Governor, just to be clear, in terms of your partnership, as you described it with President Trump, there's obviously been friction there. There always is, even in normal political times, between state and federal leaders at times like this. Do you feel that you're working constructively with the federal government now, with that kind of urgent planning process that you're talking about right now for getting those things built in, the next, in a matter of weeks? Do you feel like you and the, the federal government are rowing in the same direction? I think it's fair to say, Rachel, that my relationship with the president went beyond mere state federal uh, institutional <laughs> frictions. Uh, we've had uh, we've had significant differences. Uh, there is uh, no doubt about that. Uh, and I have for many years and I've been very outspoken about it, as has he. Uh, but I had a very good conversation with the president where I said, look, forget Democrat, Republican. We're Americans and we're talking about life and death. And we're going to have a tragedy in this state. We have the highest number of cases in the United States. We're going to have a real tragedy where people die because they couldn't get the right health care. And I need the help of the federal government. I need that partnership. I'm a former cabinet secretary in the Clinton administration. I was secretary of housing and urban development. I did disasters all across the country. I know the potential of the federal government. And we need it here. And I said, I put out my hand in partnership. I want to work with you. I'll be a good partner. I need your help. Let's do what we were elected to do. Let's fulfill our constitutional duty. Uh, and the president said, yes, I believe he's sincere. More than just belief, he has acted on it, Rachel. Uh, I spoke to the Secretary of Defense today. I got a call from the White House team late last night, early this morning. Uh, I have the uh, Army Corps of Engineers coming in here tomorrow. Hmm. So I believe he is doing he's doing what he has to do. And uh, I respect him for it. I respect him for it. Donald Trump yeah. uh, held a, a, a press conference with his team around three, three thirty. And boy, did everything. Change. It was a remarkable change it, uh, as far as the focus of the federal government. Uh, the focus of the coronavirus task force and most specifically the focus of Donald Trump. I've spoken actually with my son. He says, how bad is this? It's bad. It's bad. While this press conference was going on, I got uh, phone calls from several people uh, saying, who is that man uh, at the press conference? Uh, the, the president. What, what did they hear? The president was sober. Uh, he, he actually he did what a president's supposed to do. He delivered the bad news it, it, this was a president even uh talking about saying to his son when asked how how it was he said it's bad it's bad hopefully we can avoid the worst case scenarios uh president's doing what at least i have uh said and i think a lot of other people have said uh he should be doing from the very beginning and that is tell the truth give americans the worst case scenario they can handle it and start from there if you've watched the show for more than 10 minutes over the past three and a half years, you understand we're critical of just about everything the president does. But, Mika, uh, as John Meacham said, I'm going to I'm going to pull out John's World War Two analogy and us being in a position that Britain was. Uh, we are all joined together as a country fighting an epidemic that could end up, let me say this again, based on the study that got to the White House yesterday, kill more people, kill more Americans 
than died in World War One, World War Two, uh, the Civil War, and Vietnam. We all have to work together. I am hopeful that the White House and that the President continues yeah. uh, this this somber approach, because you know at the beginning of, of this administration, when we had a lot of leaders like well your father, Robert Gates, others all said we only have one president at a time we have to do everything we can do to make sure this president succeeds well obviously this president has made that very difficult over the past three years i'm hopeful that yesterday was a new beginning especially as it pertains to this battle that we're all facing i tried to cover this in the answer when i talked about quality of kits and our quality analysis runs through the fda so all of these platforms, we have asked people to submit, and we've asked states to quality control. So, I mean, this, anybody could submit their tests to us. We don't buy tests that haven't been quality controlled, and they show us the data. Either show us the data up front or show us the data after they've been running them. Because quality testing for our American people is paramount to us. It doesn't help to put out a test where 50% or 47% are false positive. Imagine what that would mean to the American people. Imagine their level of concern now and telling people that they're false positive. We take this same approach to HIV. Imagine telling someone they were positive to HIV and they weren't. So that is our bottom line, the customer, the American people first. And so any of these groups can submit their testing kits through our regulatory processes. But without that and without a plan, we are not going to accept tests that have not been studied by us. Good answer. It's a good answer. Uh, would you have something on that? I'm just uh, going to emphasize a little bit more on that. When I became involved in the testing world, uh, I called as senior officials at the WHO as I could find to understand what the situation was. And as far as I can tell from sources that should know, no one ever offered a test that we refused. That's what I heard, too. Um, this, was a, this is a research-grade test, right, research-grade test that was never submitted, not approved, not submitted to the FDA, that was supplied in tens of thousands of quantities to 100 countries in the world, okay? So I think there's a lot that people are saying about this that's just based on rumor and myth. Nothing was offered that we refused. It was a research test that was not approved. Um, and again, there was a small number that we have greatly surpassed in a very short period of time. So number one, nothing was offered. Number two, it was a bad test. Otherwise, it was wonderful. Listen, thank you very much. No, he made a mistake. I, I, assume, I assume that he'll apologize. Thank you all very much. Mr. President, I want to bring up what you referred to just a short while ago about politics. In your address to the nation, you said we have to put politics aside, stop the partisanship, and unify together. Um, this morning, you criticized the Democratic governor of Michigan. Yesterday, it was the Democratic governor of New York. You've attacked Obama. You've, talked, you've attacked Biden. In fact, every day except one since that address... You've lashed out at a Democratic leader. Are, are you going to set the example? I only do that when I have to respond. I watched her on television. She said something that was false, and therefore I did do that. And I will continue to do that. If they're not going to play fair, because, you know, they have the media on their side, I don't. I just have me. 
And if they're not going to play fair, I'm going to do that. Uh, if they are going to play fair, there's going to be nobody. There's going to be nobody better than Donald Trump in terms of uh, bipartisanship. But if if they're going to say things that are false, like the story that was written yesterday, a lot of people. I don't know somebody. Uh, I think I know who, but they taped the conference call that I had with the governors. It was a good call. It was fine. I assume somebody's going to tape it. They handed it to various people. One of them was the New York Times, and the New York Times chose to write. Uh, totally inaccurately about it. It was a disgraceful thing. It was bad journalism, but, you know, they do a lot of bad journalism. Uh, but we respond to that. And actually, uh, people get it. People get it. No, I want it to be bipartisan, and nobody's going to be better than me. But when they attack me or the people, these incredible people behind me, I'm not going to let them get away. Dana Bash had to actually defend herself. Eric Fernandez, a journalist, Here's a clip of Dana Bash praising Trump because he's now, now screaming at reporters and going on absolute tantrums like he normally does. I feel like I'm living on another planet, her reply. I, as I said in the clip you posted below, this is a moment to be nonpartisan, American and human, and the tone the president said it today and yesterday's pressers were remarkably different and welcome. That's a fact. Let's all take a breath and remember we're all into this together. For the record, I think there has been other than MSNBC and Twitter and social media, I think there's been a memo passed. It it's shows in the ratings who people are tuning to. Because if you want to get information, you're not going to go to CNN and MSNBC to get it. Even the nightly news is, and I watched a couple today shows since the last podcast, was a lot different. The politic was out. The fact, informing, getting information to the public was back in. And that's what should, they should have done from day one. But they can't help themselves. They just hate Trump so much, they can't help themselves. To other stuff, non-corona. Bernie brothers warn a massive exodus and Democrats, if Democrats nominate Joe Biden, and they just did before I went to air today. Folks, he pulled himself. He's done. He is done. He is no longer running for president. So Bernie is out, and it's going to be Biden and Trump. And as of today, also, Trump has enough delegates to win the Republican. So any of the ones that wanted to challenge him, well, they're shit out of luck. So here is uh, one last thing. We're going to news social media nuggets. We're going to play a song today. Now, regular music. I don't know what it is. I'll just pick it out, and then I'll say what it is. We'll go to new social media nuggets. Here's former Trump FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb proposing that mandatory procedure mask in public. These are the traditional simple masks you see in a hospital and not the N95 mask. Here's his thread for this. And the only reason why I'm putting this out is not to end on a sour note, but this might be put out. So people need to know. Luckily, I'm sitting on eight of them. The M95 ones, the good ones, or the N95, just because of my allergies. But we all might need to mask up. If the concern is that asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic younger American millennials are continuing to spread coronavirus because they don't heed warnings, you could ask require anyone between a certain ages to wear a procedure mask when they go out. 
If we're at the point of locking down entire cities, we must consider other ways to break off transmission that don't take away people's liberty. CDC current position is that people should only wear a mask when you're sick, but we know this is spread by asymptomatic people or people that aren't showing symptoms. Any ordinance would have to specify procedure masks and not N95 masks, which are in short supply and needed by healthcare workers. There does not appear to be any shortage of procedure masks, and these masks are still very helpful in preventing spread through droplets. People should still be required to stay home if sick, but that's hard to enforce. Requiring a procedure mask for those who go out in an area of sustained spread, like other big cities, would be a second layer of protection if people are asymptomatic or defiant. Thoughtful op-ed New York Times on masks and whether messaging was wrong. We must distinguish between N95 masks that healthcare providers need because of added protection and procedure masks. People who stockpile these masks should get the shit kicked out of them. Blah, 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 blah. I personally have my crack appointment next Tuesday, the 24th. I will be wearing a mask. There are very sick people in there. I'm going to wear latex gloves and I'm going to wear a mask. Is it because I'm freaked out? No, it's I'm going to protect myself and my family because I'll have to sit in the room for about a half an hour. And then I'll have to go and sit in Walgreens for about a half an hour and wait for my prescription. There are very sick people who come in there. They're elderly. They're from nursing homes, etc. And those people may have it. I don't want to bring it home to my family. So I'll wear latex gloves. And I'll have a mask on while I'm sitting in the waiting rooms. That's just what I'm going to do. I may look like a freak. I really don't care. So, moving on to our news and social media nuggets. I want to play journalism on CNN. Here are the Cuomo brothers talking about who's their favorite to mom. Am I being petty? Yeah, I kind of am. They're brothers. If me and Matt were on TV and we were in professional, I would still fuck with him and say he was mom's favorite. But... At the same time, if we were in political TV, I would never interview Matt, and Matt in Oregon would never interview me, because that's inappropriate. It, it kind of breaks the fourth wall of we're supposed to be objective journalists, or he's supposed to be a politician, or whatever the fuck, if it's vice versa. Um, yeah, it's just not right. So that's what we're going to play, because this is journalism on CNN. Nepotism don't mean shit over there. It is no secret that the people around the president, let's take him out of the equation, um, they know that you have capacity issues. They have not enlisted the military. What does that tell you? I think they have not yet fully owned this. The governor, of course, is my brother, Andrew Cuomo. So uh, I don't want to talk politics about this, but, you know, you and the president go back and forth a little bit. He cleans it up later on in the press conference. But the substance of the back and forth uh, was about what needs to happen and who needs to do it. And in a rejoinder tweet that you sent to the president, you said you'd love to be doing more. Give me the control of the Army Corps of Engineers, and I'll take it from there. First of all, do you have any reason to believe that you will get that kind of assistance? Uh, look, you don't know. You don't know how he's going to react.
the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed come fly with me let's fly let's fly away if you can use some exotic booze there's a bar in far bombay come on and fly with me let's fly let's fly away were you trying to get crazy with this see don't you know i'm local now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. What's up, guys? This is Addison Smith. And I'm Jessica Custodio. We're here at the University of Maryland today seeing how many students we can get to sign a petition to have a national Fidel Castro Day. Let's see how it goes. Hi, do you have a quick moment to sign a petition? Hey, guys, how are y'all? I'm trying to get a petition signed. I'm with Bernie Sanders Students of America. I'm trying to get a petition signed to have a Fidel Castro Day. I'm trying to declare a national Fidel Castro Day. Just because, you know, he was a religious scholar, his literacy programs did a lot for the country. Because of everything he did for, like, education reform and the literacy programs and all that? Would y'all be interested in signing? I don't know. Yeah? Weird. Bernie Sanders is really supporting him and, like, what he did. So I wanted to see uh, students want to sign to make a national uh, Fidel Castro Day. Sure. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm with the Bernie Sanders Students of America. We're trying to get a petition signed. Yeah? Easy. No, no questions asked. You just got it. Thank you so much. Of course. I interrupt you guys. I want to see if you'd want to sign a petition. Um, it's actually to have a declaring a national Fidel Castro Day. Just to highlight, you know, his great literacy program. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with the Bernie Sanders Students of America, and we're trying to get a petition signed for uh, Fidel Castro Day, uh, for his literacy programs and everything he did for education reform. Would y'all be willing to sign that? Okay, I'll cool. sign. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Just name or just yeah, just sign. name, signature, whatever. Cool. Thanks, guys. So I'm with the Bernie Sanders Students of America. We're trying to get a petition signed for uh, Fidel Castro Day because of his literacy programs, everything he did for education reform. Would you be willing to sign? Sure. Cool. Thanks. That's fucking sick. I'll sign it any day, bro. Awesome. Fidel Castro Day? Yeah, oh, yeah. Found it. Awesome. 
Hi, excuse me. Do you guys have a quick moment to sign a petition? Oh, sure. Sure, so I'm going around to students to see. Um, we want to insist on declaring a National Fidel Castro Day, you know, just because he was a religious scholar and his literacy programs are really great. We also actually see candidate Bernie Sanders, like, supporting him, if you guys have heard recently. So I wanted to see if students, you know, would be open to signing my petition just to get a National Fidel Castro Day. Sure. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We also have Bernie Sanders, who actually supports him and okay. says, you know, all these great things. So I wanted to see if, you know, you were interested in signing. Shit. Yeah. So what do you think? You're going to vote for Bernie? Um, I'm not sure who I'm going to vote for. Honestly. Oh, come on. With Bernie 2020, you support I mean, him. Yeah, right now, like, Bernie's my front runner. Oh, okay. Yeah, me too. Smart, actually. Very smart. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a gotcha. Most campus reform getting students to actually sign up for... Communist Day. I mean, seriously, folks. What the fuck? School warns students not to be racist, xenophobic about coronavirus and campus-wide email. And this is another one. We cover one almost everyone. This is Andrews University. Uh, President for Diversity and Inclusion, Michael Nixon, sent a universe, university-wide email, noted that at the times of this writing, there were already dozens of thousands of confirmed cases occur in China. I want to reflect directly on the unreasonable fear that sometimes accompanies the way we perceive, welcome, and care for each other within our Andrews University community, especially at challenging moments like this. In this particular situation with global health care risk, we discover that sometimes the most immediate fear is often that the other person is in our midst, and it goes on and on and on, and I wouldn't even cover it, but we keep having professors busted for working with China. So what does that say? Yeah, you got a problem. Middlebury students tear down local bar American flag, vandalize campus amid national crisis. Following decision to vacate campus of coronavirus, students at Middlebury College in Vermont responded by vandalizing campus in other areas, including ripping down an American flag from a local bar storefront, including pictures. The Middlebury Campus Student Newspaper, the campus paper, reported that students partied, drank, and then vandalized the campus in town. Damage, the paper reported, ranged from shattering windows to stolen signs to ruined furniture. Millerberry College landscape horticulturist and staff council president Tim Parsons told the campus paper that it has taken his staff days to clean up the mess left by the student. There are seniors seeing people maybe for the last time ever. I get it. But why take it out on other people here? You're part of a community. One worker signed to secure the building that are set to be closed on campus said he saw items like fans, microwaves, and soap dispensers that were destroyed and tossed. They even had bike racks, all sorts of shit. And that is the one thing about this that surprises me. Me and the wife keep talking about it. There's no looting. It's coming. If the supply chains of grocery stores don't, you know, stay with it, which Kroger literally put out stuff. I mean, I've got, I'm sure all of you have gotten emails from everybody that, hey, we're going to take care of this. We're going to make sure people are, you know, not sick and we'll put, Restrictions on things once we get closer. Um, but Kroger went on TV and said, hey, we got food. It's not a problem. But, yeah, it's coming. 
Higher ed disruption, dominoes now falling on high school seniors. As class of 2020 adjusts to the courses moving online for the rest of the spring semester and anxiously await whether their graduation ceremonies will occur as planned, a new class, the class of 2024, is facing a whole new challenge for graduating high school seniors seeking to take the ACT exam or SATs or college admission exams or even visits colleges. That's all been jammed up and that kind of sucks. UF socialist workers storm president's office to demand a living wage. These politicians put it in these people's heads that they just deserve money. Large groups of protesters gathered at the University of Florida directly outside Ken Fuchs' office. University president demand a minimum wage of 15 an hour and better working conditions. Not going to cover the rest. It's the same old thing. We want everything. We want it for free. Shut your fucking mouth. You know, I got a brother, a couple brothers, actually. One listened to the show, Matt in Oregon. They bust their fucking ass for what they got. Why do you get it for free? Why? Northwest makes final option due to incredible stress from the coronavirus. Due to the ongoing coronavirus concerns, Northwestern University students have been granted multiple unique grading exceptions and accommodations, including the option to forego finals altogether. In a Sunday university-wide email, Northwestern University Provost Jonathan Holloway urged professors to make all final exams optional this semester for all undergraduate students on campus. Referencing rapid disintegrating travel options and confirmed appearance of COVID-19 on campus, incredible stress that everyone's trying to manage, just give them a pass. The final assessment policy for graduate students will be determined at the school level. Undergraduate students at Northwestern's have also been granted the option to change their grades to a pass-fail Rather than a letter grade option. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I mean, why can't you proctor the test? Put the table six feet apart. I I don't know. Is it that bad? Hmm. Two, gay shit. A, 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 bow, 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 little pump and cut. Friends, but also, also, but I'm trying to make myself not, not hear you, not need you, not care. It just, it just doesn't go away. And then, you did. I never left. I couldn't. Oh, God, this was true. We should have been damn hard. I love you too, Stephanie. I love you too, So first of all, I didn't talk about the music on the break, and that was the Facebook sound you hear, the kazoos. Yeah, that's a tranny. 
It's a song called Louder by Big Frida. And that's how we do everything in our media, because everything has to be gay nowadays. So does the soundbite you just heard, Not So Amazing, Amazing Stories reboot tell gay ghost love. Amazing Stories is the latest series on the roster that's gotten the modern reboot. Of course, it usually also means modern politics that ruin the point of the show in the first place. At this point, it would be more amazing to see a non-political reboot. Sadly, Apple TV's version of the 1985 anthology series falls victim to the propaganda trap. <clears throat> the March 13 episode, The Heat, follows two high school students. The two girls are extremely close until one day, Taku is tragically killed in a hit and run. Miraculously, she appears to return to Earth as a spirit with no one able to see or hear of her. Taku's blah, 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 blah. It's all gay. It's like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. I mean, that Facebook thing seems like it's simple, but when you find out what the song is, why'd they select that? <clears throat> Be honest. Why did they select it? That's not a famous song. I never heard the song. I Google searched it one day. What the fuck is that kazoo song? Because they keep playing it, and it takes you to a tranny guy named Big Frida, who they say is Jim something or other, and she. And there you go. The bullshit. Boys will be girls. PC trounces biology in New Hampshire. It was disappointing, but not surprising. Democrat-led House representative rejected a bill last week to protect girls' sports. And we talked about it, and it was rejected because they had the numbers. Having a passport or a birth certificate with the correct gender can literally save trans lives. Yeah, this is pink news. Mm-hmm. A study published by Lancet Public Health on Monday. Never heard of them. <clears throat> the study suggested having a passport, driver's license, or birth certificate reflects the gender of what they believe they are is good for mental health. In this... A researcher at Drexel University at Dornsville School of Public Health is based on data from 22,286 transgender adults who participate in the U.S. According to the data, just 10% had their preferred name on their documents. A further 44% had some document that used their preferred name and gender, while 45% had none that did so. Researchers found that those who had accurate documentations were 32% less likely to be classified as in distress, even though it's gender dysphoria, 22% likely to have serious considers, and 25% likely to commit suicide, based on what they said. So that's not really a scientific study. This is a bias study with everything with GLAD, or any gay organization, is just going to be like anything in the military organization. You're going to have biased military people saying, this is what I want, and I'm not getting it. Jesus fucking Christ, it's a British one. COVID-19 shelves one of the biggest LGBTQ events of the year, GLAD. Woohoo! It's canceled. They'll still pull out their port. We'll still cover it on the show that our media shows 15% gay and they want 90. A media, a message to the media on implicit bias. Now this article that ran in the advocate is by a foodie, a food reporter. He does a YouTube channel. He's an expert on this shit, so. Let's break it down. That's my sarcasm. On March 12th, the midst of a rising fervor on COVID, I was shocked to discover that a picture of myself and seven of my friends was a cover photo for an article about the virus impact on Pride Month. Our Asian American faces smiling back at me on the advocate's front page. 
I was upset. Many publications have been using Asian faces as a mascot of COVID-19. This is a perpetuated and emboldened anti-Asian sentiment in America. People refusing to be treated by Asian-American caregivers. Refusing to eat an Asian-American, Asian-American, Asian-American. And he's saying it's implicit bias because they grabbed some gay faces and they just happen to be Asian. Yeah. Okay. He's Nathan Ramos Park. He's Korean, and I'm sure his life has been a living hell, because in Korea, yeah, being gay ain't down. They ain't down with that over there. You think American families are bad. Lady Gaga is self-isolating from coronavirus, but claims God told her everything is going to be okay. I covered that because that came from Pink News. Who does weekly God doesn't exist, and if you believe in him, you're a fucking transphobe. Articles. Yeah. thought that was funny. Everything is racist with more of the don't call it Asian flu. Everything is racist. Yes, and it's from the New York Times. Reporter blames racism freaks out whites for lack of safety net and high taxes. Eduardo Porto, economic reporter for the New York Times, equated the United States' lack of its preferred European-style level of safety net taxes and welfare spending to racism in his Sunday review, Why America Will Never Get Medicare for All. And that is linked directly into the gigantic push of the Asian flu that you're not supposed to call Asian flu, the Chinese flu, don't call it Wuhan flu, don't call it anything, call it COVID. And we all need to have Medicare for All. Racism explains why the country lacks the safety net net its citizens deserve. Americans have repeatedly rejected expansion of the social safety net because the inevitable collides with one of the most powerful forces shaping American experience. Racism. Not money. Not that we can't afford it. Not that in Italy right now, if you're over 80, they're letting you die in place. You're not sheltering in place. You're dying in place because they don't have the means. Since then, America's turned against welfare in favor of another different tool of social management, prison. So yeah, we could have Medicare for all, but let's just throw people in prison, black people. Oh, I got it. Later on, by the efforts of freaked out whites to resist this change, Republican effort to ensure a conservative majority on the Supreme Court for a generation, like state-level efforts to suppress the vote of people of color and gerrymandering districts to dilute their electoral cloud are a clear expression of white fear. Ask yourself why the United States along, alone, among the world's richest nations, still doesn't provide its citizens with comprehensive universal health care, blah, 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 suck a dick. Then we got more of, why are they using it? Jonathan Greenblatt. It is racist to refer to coronavirus as Wuhan virus, foreign virus, or Chinese virus, period. Elected leaders of responsibility refer to this virus by its clinical name and not incite fear and xenophobia, all based off of Donald Trump. The United States will be powerfully supported those industries like airlines and others that are particularly affected by the Chinese virus. Once again, proven by last podcast, because they are saying we created it and dropped it. 
in Wuhan. We just walked in Wuhan, chose Wuhan next to one of their bio facilities and said, let's release this agent to kill Asian people. Because that's what America is. We're just racist motherfuckers. Eugene Wu, Mr. Abort Everybody. There it is. It's been deathly afraid of the exact moment where the Trump turns to racism and xenophobia and calls COVID-19 the China virus. We're in deep trouble as a nation now that the President of the United States makes a conscious decision to go down this dark path of hate. Palmer Report. It's not the Chinese virus, you fucking racist dickhead. Gabby Orr. Know that Trump is now calling it the Chinese virus. Which is what several Fox personalities have been calling it. Just yesterday, he called it the coronavirus in tweets. Josh Rogan, the Chinese virus. Yemsinio Sinder. J.G. Petruna. Responses on this are fucking getting brutal. And nobody gives a fuck. You're a serious reporter. Yes, what he's calling it is important news of the day. Because America's getting accused for it. Note, y'all been calling it some form of China, a province of China, a city in China, or some other form of Asian ground zero for weeks. Let's go ahead and shut it up about it now. Hypocrisy is boring. Hi, Josh. Where'd the virus come from? Uh, ben Peterson. Yes, it came from China. Sorry, the vast amount of us do not wish to assist you with this CPC talking points and misinformation campaign. Brent Erickson. Okay, but let us not forget the Chinese government, like ambassadors, have been spreading crap about the source of the virus being the U.S. Army. I am not a Trump defender at all, but there are two sides of the story. Report the other side, too. Living 518, New York Times, Japan and Thailand confirm new case of Chinese... Coronavirus. That was from the beginning of March. Update. Al Cinder seems to have missed an opportunity to opine on Trump's tweet on air on PBS Hour. She did her live shot before Trump tweet went up. This live shot was before the Trump tweet calling coronavirus Chinese virus. He was somber a few hours early and talked about the need for international coordination to stop the virus. Then he took to Twitter and was a racist and talked about the foreign invader. Yeah. Stephen L. Miller. She really either doesn't get it or she's a willing participant for the Chinese state. There's no alternative answer. And I know I double-tapped hers because it was in the beginning and in the end. <clears throat> but it deserves double-tapping. Rosanna Arquette claims Israel profiting off Corona Scare with vaccine sales. This is her tweet. I'm still confused. So Israel has been working on a coronavirus vaccine for a year already, so they knew. Vaccines take much longer time to know if they are safe, and Kushner Oscar is the major investor in the new vaccine that's supposedly coming here. Lives at risk for profits. Profit. Reality. Well, of course, it's a different strain. Various coronaviruses have been threats to humanity over the years, and Israel has been testing vaccines for a coronavirus like outbreak for some time. According to the Jerusalem Post, biotech leader at the Galilee Research Institute, Dr. Shen Katz, told the paper, let's call it pure luck. <clears throat> we decided to choose coronavirus as a model for our system. By the grace of God, we're ahead of the curve. But, you know, she's a lib actually research shit? Fuck that! Fuck the reason why they're doing it. Get those dirty Jews. America's response to the coronavirus is a natural current consequence of white supremacy. Da Root! Oh yeah! Da Root is on fire! Let's read this tripe. 
crucial to remember when attempting to place both the Trump presidency and the devotion he still receives today in a proper context that the idea that white people have voted and will continue to vote against their self-interest when supporting him is a fallacy. He is president because for his tens of millions of white fans, Trump, and we're not going to talk about the many black people that are starting to vote for him. Hmm. Trump acknowledged and actively pledged to reverse what they believe to be the downward trending status of whiteness. Perhaps this meant they'd be led by a confident man set to pull his biggest grift yet. I'm certain many knew and continue to know this. But if you consider white supremacy to be essential as a soul, which it is, and then a friend, a job, a house, a spouse, a life is a modest sacrifice. The investment in this decaying Matrashoka doll of hierarchy is so deep, so vital, so impossible to extract themselves from that anything that challenges and or contradicts Donald Trump transmutes its personal indictment. This is a psychosis that compels a woman like Katie Williams, a former Miss Nevada State and current candidate for Clark County School Board of Trustees Los Angeles, to, to Las Vegas, excuse me, to brag about eating at a crowded Red Robin during a global pandemic just to own the libs. For her to admit that the coronavirus is real would be to admit that Trump was wrong. And if Trump was wrong, we were right. And if we were right about anything ever, the genuinely psychotic belief that whiteness grants her a ceaseless exception, exempting her from this sort of harm crumbles with the with it. Unfortunately for us and for them, the true believers, too, our federal government took its cues from him. The sluggishness of our national response is mostly due to the president's yawning narcissism as he attempted to minimize a threat because it might damage his re-election chances. And also attempted to find a way to monopolize a possible vaccine. And is also attempting to brand the coronavirus as Chinese because a brand allows for blame and he is diametrically opposed to accepting any himself. He also happens to be uniquely unqualified for this sort of challenge. His usual tactics of bullying, shaming, insulting, tantrums, throwing, and tweeting ain't shit against this disease. And thousands of Americans will die because the virus of white supremacy built superhighways for it. I'm not reading anymore. There's actually fuck in this. This was somebody throwing a temper tantrum, putting the heading that white supremacy made us get it. And then going on a tangent about how Trump's the devil. That's NBC. That's the peacock, my friends. Their other story, the endless appropriation of MLK and white supremacy's need to rewrite historical narratives. This is, once again, just like the last article, a bunch of fancy words put together with a Harvard education to say, I fucking hate Whitey. And that's allowed to be online every day. Good to go. Two, liberal shit. You're the next contestant on Liberal Shit. You said every Democrat needs to support abortion rights and that it's not negotiable. 
your words. Where does that leave someone like Governor Bell Edwards in Louisiana, pro-life? In your mind, does he belong in the Democratic Party? I respect uh, Governor Edwards. I profoundly disagree with his position on, uh, on this issue. And it's not only about a woman's right to choose whether to have an abortion. It's about women's economic empowerment. The debate within the party is, is how big is the tent in terms of candidate selection. Governor Edwards is a perfect example. He passed one of the nation's strictest abortion bans last year, and he's a Democrat. I mean, in your mind, is there a place in the party for those well, again, kinds of I, Democrats? I, I think what he did in that particular case was wrong. Should you he know, hand in his Democrat card? No, again, I profoundly disagree. I can, it was I, the I words have, not negotiable, I think. That well, again, I, I, I profoundly people. disagree right. with the position he took there. And I think I speak for most Democrats in saying that. And, and I will continue to say that. Uh, publicly because I think it's a really important issue. Cardinal Timothy Dolan is a leader of the Catholic Church in America. He wrote this after you made those comments. It saddens me and weakens the democracy millions of Americans cherish when the party that once embraced Catholics now slams the door on us. Well actually the majority of Catholics voted for Democrats in 2016 so uh, uh, apparently the Cardinal uh, under, may not understand that, uh, you know, Matthew 25 is a pretty important teaching. And Matthew 25 uh, says, you know, when you are hungry, I fed you. When you were naked, I provided you with clothing. When you were an immigrant, I welcomed you. I think one of the reasons why so many people are moving away from Donald Trump is that uh, he's abandoned all of those values. He said it saddened him because the Democratic Party stands for so much of what Catholicism uh, teaches, but this particular area of Catholic doctrine, uh, you were saying it's not negotiable, and that's well, what, that was his point. Well, again, I, I think that the challenge that I see among a lot of uh, people that go to Donald Trump rallies and then they will go to church on Sunday, and I'm not, I'm, I don't know what faith they are sure, worshiping. Sure. Uh, Donald Trump has done more to hurt the least of us among us than just about any president I can think of. God, he's a cocksucker. He is just a cocksucker. And I know I should be talking about that because we're talking about abortion and religion intertwined, and that's why I put it on the back end. But you got to fucking do some serious mental gymnastic. Tom Perez quotes, Scripture to argue why pro-abortion is a must for any Democrat. Jack Battered, what a weird way to interpret Matthew 25, that it's some serious mental gymnastics to turn the verse into pro-abortion. If you dig deep enough, you get a shameless, but you have to dig a lot more to get whatever level of disgusting this is. Axios, DNC Chair Tom Perez cites scripture on Axios on HBO in response to Catholic leader criticism for saying supporting abortion rights is non-negotiable for Democrats. Donald Trump has done more to hurt at least the least of us among us than just about any president I could think of. Why are they allowed to have every answer be Donald Trump? A, uh, this bill has cost Americans a bunch of money. Donald Trump. Oh, okay. That's our media. Okay. Sounds good. Hey, your policy is killing people. Donald Trump. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Hey, you want live birth abortion. You, you want the baby to come out, the mom to be able to decide whether it lives or not, and then we'll just give it some comfort and let it die in place. Donald Trump. Okay. Sounds good.
Andrew Suburbian, the out-of-touch elitism displayed here from the head of the DNC is breathtaking. In the same interview, attacks the religious faith of Trump supporters and calls for a pro-abortion litmus test among all Democrats. David Bozell, note the sleight of hand. What was once pro-choice is now women's economic empowerment. They're just going to keep trying to twist it because young kids aren't buying on. Young kids are a lot less. You can have the TikTok videos jerking off while I go get my fucking abortion shit. Talk cool music. But they're really not as pro-abort. Allison H. Hento Fonte. Yikes. Perez proudly boasts pro-abortion stance condemning Governor Edwards for pro-life. Then lectures Catholic leader on abortion and claims Donald Trump is the one who hurts us. Space Cowboy. Hit this party is a shambles, and many were asking he stepped down after a recent streak of debacles of DNC. This is how Democrats judge interpret the Constitution. They just make things up. And then William Thomas Lewis, the guy hasn't read these verses. Matthew 18, 1 through 14, Ecclesiastes, I can never say that, 11, 5, Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5, Ezekiel 16, 15 to 22. The Bible constantly calls for protection of children and affirms the unborn as children, people made by God. This person has no more compass if he argues for abortion. But Gerard sums it up. It's okay to kill babies because orange man's bad. Yeah, that's it. That That's it. That They think they can intersexual everything. Then we have the coronavirus. We're in mass panic. We play all the ticky-tack, patty-whack bullshit. Because we're running out of things to criticize Trump on. MIT Tech Magazine touts coronavirus will cut greenhouse gas emissions this year. They literally put this out. I mean, do you think AOC is a standalone dumbass because she pushes, you know, it doesn't matter what the subject is. Green New Deal, man. No, this is this takes the cake. When you see leftist propaganda touting that a contagious disease is reducing carbon emission published in a top university tech mag, one wonders why we continue to subsidize these institutions. The MIT Technology Review published a climate change piece headline why the coronavirus outbreak is terrible news for climate change. It appears increasingly likely that the global coronavirus outbreak will cut greenhouse gas emissions this year as deeply deepening public health concerns ground planes and squeeze international trade. James Temple, the piece's author, fretted March 9th it would be a mistake to assume that the rapidly spreading virus, which has already killed thousands of forced millions in quarantine, will meaningfully reduce the dangers of climate change. Rising health and financial fears could also divert public attention from climate change. God damn it, so i got to get them back on it. The fear is that the highly contagious coronavirus will complicate the challenges of climate change. But there's a positive outcome from this environmental standpoint. A sustained drop in oil prices can make long-term investment in clean energy more attractive for major energy players. Some have also suggested that the deadly virus could bring about a long-lasting shift in carbon-intensive behaviors. If people remain fearful of flying and cruise ships or come to prefer remote working and virtual conferencing. But then again, the magazine shifts direction. It's important to keep in mind as we... As we game out the long-term consequences of the coronavirus outbreak, that the short-term impact are clear. Many, many people are going to become ill and die. That's a bad thing. Maybe that should have been up front. Just, just me. That should be up front. Then we have the ultimate, 
just, this is the fucking ultimate. This came from People Magazine. Dixie Chicks talk being the first targets of cancel culture. It has been a long time. Welcome back. So happy to see you. So it's been 14 years. That is a long time to take a break and not, I mean, obviously you've done some traveling, some music, but first, first album in a long time. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we have nine kids and we've been raising our children. Um, I know for me, I have the oldest kids. Well, Emily has the second oldest son, but, um, I just, when they got to the age for school and to have their own lives and their own friends, I just really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and make their lives about them and not about me. Um, That's we amazing. wanted her to make her life about us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready now? Yeah. Are you ready now? <laughs> Was that happening, really? We, we, were, actually, we were antsy. We, we didn't want to stay home. I love my kids, but I... <laughs> <laughs> So we're calling more (laughs) daily. Yeah, that is. But that's amazing that you did that because a lot of. I mean, you had a huge. Yes, you have a huge career, and then a lot of people can balance both and want to balance both. Everybody does it differently, but I think that's very admirable that you said, "I'm giving this up." I mean, I want to be honest. I think after the whole controversy, and that feels like eons ago, but we were pretty worn out at the same time, and. I don't know. I think we needed a break. Maybe not 14 years, but we, we needed need to get mad again <laughs> and yeah. have something to write about. Yeah, but haven't you been mad for a while? I mean, I've been mad. <laughs> That's the perception. That's the perception. But I mean, so that is weird. So 17 years ago, right, is when this happened. When you were blacklisted for just speaking out and saying something that I mean, right? Yeah, we were just told today. We didn't. We didn't know it, but today is the anniversary. That's wow, perfect. that's amazing. And and how do you feel? about that because now it feels like we're in an even worse time where everybody is just just imagine what she would say now (laughs) yes well (laughs) we are (laughs) but no but a lot of people we're living in this culture now where you know you say the wrong thing and and you're canceled we're living this cancel culture and that was 17 years ago that that happened yeah i think we were one of the first people to feel that (laughs) cancel culture and i think you know what we said back then, or what I said back then, would not even be a thing today because it was right. really mild compared to what people say today. But, um, you know, so on one hand, everyone has this platform where they can say whatever they want to say. But on the other hand, this platform can move really quickly and, yeah, yeah, ruin people's lives. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's, it's sad. I think we need to get back to where we all just to celebrate our differences and we all have different opinions and it's okay to have strong opinions. Agreed. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, you can speak your opinion. Yeah. Are you going to run for president? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seems like a great job. <laughs> I'll consider it if you'll answer this question. What did he do on the boat? (laughs) (laughs) The gall to even say what they did. Back at that time, that was wrong. Remember, we didn't talk about presidents on foreign shores. We, We weren't supposed to do that. Now, of course, they'd be lauded. They'd probably get an extra album because people are so scared. But to say they were cancel cultures, no, they were everybody in America stepped back. Because what they did was just over the top. Two funny shit. Uh, number one, 
condom shortages, rising sale of sex toys. This is the impact of the coronavirus on sexuality. I'm going to read these because this just cracked me up. The, people need to, like, maybe stop their lives because if this is making you stay home more, maybe you're doing too much because I don't get the having sex like rabbit shit. The spread of the coronavirus is a direct impact on the economy. It's also impact on markets surrounding sexuality. Sales of sex toys have increased and there is a shortage of condoms in affected area. Um, an increase of 50% compared to original forecasts. According to the figures, the countries where the sales of sex toys has increased coincide where there's been the main outbreaks of corona. Indeed, for the period from the 1st of January to the 6th of March 2020, Womanizer recorded 60% higher sales in Italy, 40 in France, and 71 in Hong Kong. <laughs> mm, that's fucking funny. And I'm sure where alcohol is not banned outside of liberal cities, I'm sure people are putting down some Jack Daniels. I know tonight tonight's uh, my night I stay up, which probably be later than usual because I set a new PR. I actually didn't get up till 7 o'clock this morning. I don't know the last time I woke up at 7 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> I'll probably stay up and watch my uh, last few. I think I have 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 of SEAL Team and then I don't get any more. This one I wanted to play so bad. It is so fucking hilarious, but I it's Spanish. And I could not find an English version of this, but wow. All I can say is wow. My wife, once again, Gigi, the better half, sent this to me. So, Gigi, you rock. This is the best story of this whole podcast. I should have started with it, which I'm going to try on Sunday's podcast to be... No Corona. I'm not going to talk about Corona. I'm going to talk about the numbers up front. But I'm not going to talk about anything else. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to try to be positive. Because I think we could really use some positivity throughout all this. And talk about other things. So I've been sitting on a shit ton of military stuff. So I thought Sunday would start off with the military corner. A bunch of good stuff that's, you know, non-coronavirus. <clears throat> this one, once again, what the fuck? Vegan activists separate hens from roosters so the hens aren't raped. I didn't make that up. That That's real. Vegan activists from Almas Veganas say we must not differentiate between human and animal species which is why they believe animals can also be raped. Activists say the plan to end the abuse and rape of chickens were constantly running away from the roosters. This is what they said in Spanish. Roosters intentionally rape chickens and don't think it's an animal instinct, activists say, and they will do everything in their power to prevent such acts. For the start, they suggest separating the hens from the roosters. Three vegan activists from Spain have shocked the public these days with their unusual actions. They're convinced that the roosters intentionally raped the hens, so they are firmly determined that animals need to be separated from each other. Yeah, Moonbat, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Jesus. To our lighter fare, the only thing I could get, Ranger Up is still cranking shit out, and they had a little funny about a coronavirus vaccine. Enjoy. How are you Ooh, 
the hell are you guys doing? We're vaccinated against the coronavirus. Nah, we don't want to get sick. You can't just drink beer during the workday. You're the one day drinking whiskey. First of all, I'm imbibing whiskey. That's different. Second of all, this is what gentlemen do, you bunch of f***ing plebs. And it's more like hydration anyways. That's some funny shit. To check the statistics at the back end, which I'll start doing on each show until this is over, it has now gone up to 8,019 cases, and sadly, nine more people have died today, 125 deaths. So, um, as stated, all the experts state, it's going to keep going up because we're actually testing now, and the people that are dying, we're most likely going to find they were people in the age brackets that it's going to affect. So I hate to put that in the lighter fare. I didn't want to forget. Lastly, uh, Balaz shares with us, okay, somebody changed the Democrat Party logo on Google. It You went for a long period because Google didn't catch it. And sadly, well, not sadly, you must own your space on Google. Um, I owned my stores. And I owned um, my community center. And basically, <clears throat> if you don't, anybody can edit it. So somebody went on and put the Democratic Party with the color scheme and stars, but it's a rat. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. I'm sure the Republican one's been hijacked numerous times too. But I just... That cracked me the fuck up. Additionally, a text I got during the last mixing section. Um, right now, you can fly from Nashville to Vegas for 18 bucks. The problem is, MGM shut down all their places. So I don't know where you go. I guess off strip. I'm sure the um, old strip area is, is still open. So that wraps up this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast gmail.com you get the show on soundcloud pocket static tune in radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher and pocket cast remember check out the facebook page at fop podcast and our twitter page at fop tony reed as stated during the show our next show is going to be on sunday since i went way earlier i'll cr- crank one out on sunday or monday and uh, for some reason it gets bumped or i don't have enough positive stuff to go then we'll go with the 24th um Crack day, which is usually when I do a podcast. I come back and it's usually around 10 in the morning my time and I start recording. So I might do that. And that way I can actually talk about what it was like to go into a doctor's office and a pharmacy and what the conditions were. I know I've gotten information already to make sure I'm coming by myself, not to bring any additional people into the building. I'm sure more restrictions will continue. Um, This is a pain clinic, but it's still a clinic all the same. And I would not be surprised if we're not doing urinalysis and things like that. They probably don't want bodily fluids brought down. They're probably going to do a quick weight, BP, pulse, talk to the doctor, get the fuck out of the building. I am sure it's a much streamed line process. 
Until Sunday, my friends, stay safe. If you ain't got to go out, don't go out. Don't go out partying. Chill at the house. This old disconnect from your devices and give your family some love. This is probably a good time to do it. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your kids. Hang out. There's plenty of black back college, you know, catalog. I know for us, we're doing a lot of projects we had planned because we were supposed to be going out this week to a couple events and we canceled them. Uh, we were going to go out to the lake. We canceled that. We've just been kind of chilling at the house, watching movies and uh, staying up late, getting up late and just kind of enjoying the time together. So you should probably do that the same. And more importantly, don't panic. I want to keep saying that at the end of every podcast, it's hard not to. If you watch CNN all day or MSNBC or just any updates you get from even the Drudge Report, I mean, it's just the header of the Drudge Report makes you feel like you should go crawl in a fucking hole. I think this is a very bad flu. And it's serious. But unless you go out and do stupid shit to get the contact, you can be safe through this and it'll just be another flu bug. But we've treated it like it's Contagion the movie. And... Yeah, once again, Contagion the movie, everybody fucking died from it. It was some serious shit. And for the Netflixers, this is not Outbreak. That was like a hemorrhagic fever, all your organs liquefied. This is not it. It's a chest cold that can kill you. But if you're smart, you won't even get it. Please tune in Sunday or Tuesday. I'm kind of leaving it loose there because I've been saying dates I'm going to do it, and I don't do them. I do them early. Uh, for the next show and as always I thank you for listening and take care and stay safe thank you for listening to flyover politic podcast please check out our facebook page at fop podcast and twitter account at fop tony reed remember it's a short ride makes every day count Thank you.